When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to There Will Be Dungeons at ThereWillBeDungeons.com, a D&D campaign that continues into its second phase. You might call it Season 2. You might call it Year 2. Call it what you want. But it's time for our adventurers to get off their ass and head out into the wilds and kill some shit. It's going to be very <laughs> exciting stuff. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Glad to be here. And uh, thanks for all your wonderful comments about John's one-off. I think that went really well, and people have been nothing but... Uh, praising it. And so now we get back to the norm where Bo takes us uh, by the hand through a whole new set of circumstances that will surely challenge our now level 7 adventurers. Before we do any of that though, a big deal happening today, for us anyway. We have set up, for the first time, a homegrown, totally from scratch way for you to support the show. A lot of people have said in the past, during the past year, do you guys have a Patreon yet? Do you have some other kind of thing we can do? And I have good news. We have something very much like that. In fact, to you, it won't be any different. You just go, you sign up, and boom, you're in. Uh, for us, it means less fees for you. It means an easier way for us to manage this thing. Won't give you the nitty-gritty and all the background and all of the back end. But if you head on over to frogpants.com slash store slash TWBD, or later today, if you go to therewillbedungeons.com, I'll have a big fat graphic link that you can click on. It'll take you straight there. Um, but either way, it'll take you to the store. There's now an item called There Will Be Dungeons Patron of Dungeons, or POD for short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're POD people, you're going to want to support us. And there are five tiers, five levels, we call them, uh, to sort of celebrate the idea that this is a D&D themed thing. And you can get in as low as two bucks a month. It's not very much. And you get great stuff for that all the way up to higher levels where you can uh, get really rad stuff about special DM notes from Bo that you receive in your email every month. How about a physical piece of art that comes every month? Uh, so much more than that. So go read it for yourselves. I don't want to spend too much time on the show uh, about it, but it's our new way to support the show. It helps all of us, and it helps pay the bills. And if you love what we do, well, show it over here at frogpants.com slash store slash TWBD. And, uh, of course, there will be dungeons.com. All right. More on that later. For now, though, it's time for Bo to take us in to Season 2. Bo, take it away. I'll bring up the music. Or is there another music? Oh, yeah, there is. You I know, like I forgot. That one-off killed me. Hold on a second. Here we go. Officially, it's Bo's turn. Take it away. All right, it's nothing but blackness. Now, rise and fade in, and we see sand. Baking in the sun, golden. The heat coming off of it, distorting the blue sky where it meets the sand. Nash, you're standing on top of a hill 
like a dune, nothing but sand. Hands on your hips, and you're looking out over the vastness. You're alone. <laughs> I take it you want me to say something. Can tell me what you'd like to do. Well, let me ask you this, Mr. DM. Am I awake or am I um, in a dream state here? You are conscious. I am conscious and I'm looking off into the distance. All right, well, there's no one there to say anything to us, so I'll tell you what's in Nash's mind. Every night for the last three months, I've experienced nightmares connected to my time in the solar mines and my escape from there and the massacre and the blood that was spilt that day. I should say those days. And every night, it comes up again and again and again. And I wake up either in a cold sweat or at the very least disturbed and can't get myself back to sleep. Uh, Angelashi, who is now my uh, mate of sorts, is uh, very comforting in those times and um, very kind about me dealing with that sort of thing. And in the day, I fill my time with other activities, including a weekly volunteer job I have where I do finger puppets for little kids. Now, you might wonder, why is Nash doing that in the middle of the town square? And the reason he's doing that is because he has a unique ability. He's got finger puppets for this hand, up to five. Finger puppets for this hand, also up to five. And then a little baby hand that can do an extra puppet over here. (laughs) and so i'm staring out into the distance wondering what these dreams mean and what i should be experiencing is some of the best days of my life but i'm very troubled by how i feel and i don't feel i don't feel great but i'm not really letting anyone know angelashi maybe has the most inside view of it she knows about my dreams but even she doesn't know how tormented i feel right now Okay, so you look upon the desert and think these things. They're not said aloud. No, I'm, I'm just thinking them to myself. Thoughts. Yep. You feel a tugging at the back of your cloak. Uh, I'll turn we'll around. Tug. Okay. Turn around and you see nothing. And then you look down and you see Pod standing there. Whoa. On the ground behind you. Ash! Pod! It's me! You're here! How is this possible? I've been looking everywhere for you. But I saw you. I saw you killed! What? You died. Oh, no! And she looks behind you, and she points, and she goes, Look out, Nash! Look of panic on her face as she points. All right. And a shadow comes over top of you, darkening the sand where she's standing. I'll whip around to see who it is. Whip around, and a truck is immediately in your face. It goes, Make a saving throw for dexterity. Holy shit. Sorry, this really kicked off, didn't it? All right. It came out of nowhere. There was nothing around you when you last... You're surprised. Uh, 13? The truck hits you, and you fall as a giant war rig, and it fall, you you get sucked underneath. Like, it hits you, you hit the sand, and then you're immediately run over by it. The first set of tires hits you and breaks your arm and leg. <laughs> Uh, let me roll some damage dice here for you. That'd be great. Make sure you, you know the amount. Yeah. Um, yeah, 20 points of damage. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. And then as you roll uh, under the first set of tires, your head's on the ground. You lift your hand into the sand and look left. 
and you see a tire coming towards you. Make a dexterity save, please, towards your face. Ooh, 17 is a little better. Okay, uh, you manage to lift your head out of the way, and as you do that, uh, your leg gets run over from the other side where, the, where it is, and then you, you in pain, you, you sit up, and then you hit your head on the undercarriage of the war rig, and then it hooks onto your nose, the metal part, and then because your your legs are being run over, it rips your nose open, and blood sprays everywhere, and then you fall back down, and then you meet another set of tires, and then this one runs over your head. And you're in the ground, and then you bounce around a bit. You just like picture just dust and tires and undercarriage, and you're bouncing up and down between them, getting parts run over. Another set of tires comes uh, towards you. Make a dexterity save if you can. With Quick, disadvantage. Quickly, is it coming at me quickly? Yeah, you're being run over. You're in the process of meeting all nine sets of tires underneath this war rig. Well, disadvantage, you say? Yeah, six. It hits you again, and you get run underneath another set of tires, and you hear every bone in your body break. You take 48 points of damage. <laughs> um, I'm dead. Okay, well, you're unconscious. You're yeah. not dead yet. Well, I mean, um, I'm out of hip body flops I mean. yeah. Your body flops around uh, lifelessly, and then finally the truck goes away. And miraculously, somehow even though you've just been run over and mangled and all your body parts are bent the wrong way and your nose is ripped from your face, you open your eyes and just see the sun. You see the silhouette of a bird and you hear, that's not quite how it sounds, but I just can't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was going to ask what kind of bird that is, but it's fine. I'll take it. And you uh, you hear footsteps in the sand and you move your head to look toward what's coming and you see a silhouette of a man with the sun behind him. Okay. He's wearing robes. You hear chains clinking. Clink, clink, clink. And then he kneels down, and finally you're able to see his face, and you see a sweaty, bald-headed man in robes with chains adorned like necklaces all over him. He's got a patch over one eye. He's got a cigar in his mouth. Well, look what we have here. He reaches into his cloak and he takes out a stick of dynamite and he lights it with his cigar. And he, boys, we got us a fresh one here. You can't see who he's talking to, but then he turns around and goes to your legs and lifts up your cloak and shoves the dynamite into your crotch hole. <laughs> oh my God. And you just, see it, you just see it sticking out and it's lit. And he comes around to your other side and he kneels and he goes, now that your life is over, what do you regret the most? I want to know. Uh, can I? Am I able to speak? Yeah, you, somehow you move <clears throat> your lips and sounds come forth, but they're very weak. All right, I go. My only regret. Shit. Leave that in the show, right? Oh, yeah. I don't take anything out. I leaned on my space bar. (laughs) Didn't mean to do that. Went on repeat, (laughs) on a repeat party. All right. I go, I have only one regret. And it was just this. And I try to lean up closer and say, 
my one regret was coming out here and standing where I am now or I wouldn't have been hit had I not done it. <laughs> you mangy piece of shit. And then I fall back. All right. And as you fall back, the, the, the better run, boys. And then he gets up, puts hands over his ears, and you just see him run off before, kaboom, your body explodes into a million pieces. And the okay. whole world explodes, and now you're surrounded in a circle of brown clouds, like dust in the middle of a snow uh, sandstorm. <sighs> Except you're not there. The only thing left of you is your dragon metal heart, and it floats in the air. And then from the sky, from the explosion falling down, your one good eye and your one red eye drop on top of the dragon metal heart, heart and you're somehow able to see through them. And you float through the air. Nothing but a dragon metal heart and two googly eyes. <laughs> I know what I'm drawing today. Okay. And you, he you hear a voice echoing through everywhere. Doom is coming. And then there's a crack of lightning. And the brown, the brown clouds light up yellow and white. And it flashes, and there you see it off in the distance through the clouds, a mountain. Its top anger, it's red and black, and smoke billows into the clouds from what appears to be some kind of volcano. And then it swirls around, and these smoky tendrils come rising out of the volcano. And you hear it again Doom is coming. The smoky tendrils increase longer and longer and make their way towards your heart. And then they, they find openings in your dragon metal pacemaker and start filtering in four long tendrils from the mountain to your heart. And you feel it fill you with dread and horror and you hear, Doom is coming! And then you wake up in your home in Tietkala, where you recognize being sweats. You look at your body, it's where it's supposed to be. Nothing's been blown off, there's no dynamite, no mountain, no smoke. You feel a hand on your back. Um, Nash, are you okay? It's Andrew Lashy's voice. It was another dream, but this was different. In the dream, I... I had a, dr a dream in the dream. I can't explain it. And she, what she takes the other hand, Angela, she makes herself uh, sort of seen in your periphery, and she kisses your cheek, and she rubs her hand on your cheek, sort of caressing you, trying to calm you. Poor, my poor, poor Nash. If I could find a way to calm your dreams, I would. But I have something to tell you. I, I, I'm just going to say it. I, I wasn't sure, but then I found out. And she takes your hand and she puts it on her belly. She says, do you feel it? We're pregnant. How is it possible you are with child? And cut to black. <laughs> there will be Dungeons season two. <laughs> Wait, 
What do you mean you don't have theme music? That sounded like great theme music right then. <laughs> Thanks for playing along. Oh my gosh. So now we're gonna we're gonna read a little bit and get caught up on what everyone's been doing. All right. Can I just say I thought you? I really thought you had killed me today. I mean, it's a, it was an, it's a dream. Sometimes in our dreams we experience those things, and that's what it feels like, right? Yeah. So, I know. Yeah. All right. And so our heroes, weary from months of battle, demons, wandering, and betrayal, settled into a life at the restored queendom of Tiatkala. In the weeks that followed the slaughter of the Guzzlegang imposters, the returned tiefling people remained on edge, hurriedly repurposing buildings and stone and steel to erect an outer wall around Orphreus formerly known as Trashburg. But as the weeks turned into months, it began to seem that the principal's great Toyota host anticipated to attend the wedding of the Prince Aladwir, of the late Prince Aladwir, to the Acromonicar Jot Elagos would not be arriving after all. And over time, life in Tietkala became peaceful. For the first time in his life, Vorel owned something called property, and to better understand the strange, fleshy humanoids better, he opened the Golden Sands Inn and Adventurers Guild. He offered the citizens of Orfriwiz the best coffee this side of the Dead Fingers, but otherwise questionable food and ale served by his apprentice, Bakbak of Vikdikik. But Vorel's true offering was to provide a place for hearty desert travelers to take up difficult missions with the hopes that these journeymen would return with information about the looming threat of the principal. Erstwhile, Stanley Billings felt as though his mind was beginning to unravel. Among the possessions left behind by Buttons the Wizarding Cat, Stanley found his prized dictionary a manual called the Monstrositorum Arcanilicus, and a map of the wider known world documenting the sheer vastness of the principal's lands. Although his possessor, Diantalus, Archfey of Carnage, had remained inexplicably dormant, he was always at the forefront of Stanley's every thought, alongside the people he failed at Dust Hill. During his lowest moment, Stanley had a vision of a world filled with endless ocean and sky, and of a singular flying fish that laughed like the happiest of children laugh. At first he thought nothing of the vision, but one day saw the same fish emblazoned on the newly constructed Church of the Fishbird, Malhaya, and imagined his salvation might lie with her acolytes, the Tide Bearers. As Stanley and Vorel grappled with their challenges, Nash Maggard of the Solar Mines lived his life as he always had, begrudging every moment. But the door to his heart was opened ever so slightly where it hadn't before letting a little light in. That light was Angelashi, who loved him unconditionally, as though fate and destiny were a road lain before her that she could see. Unwavering is her conviction. Soon after the battle to free Tietkala ended, Angelashi knelt before him, took Nash's hand, and beyond all odds, told him they were pregnant with child. 
and so the unfathomable had happened. Nash Maggard of the Solar Mines, the Baby Armored, the Cockless, he who licks frog hemoth eggs, was given gifts he had every reason to believe were forever beyond his reach. And with this newfound and strange feeling, happiness, he took that energy and began performing a three-handed solo puppet show for the tiefling children every weekend, who delighted in every second of it. Of the four, life was most difficult for Queen Orifi Akmenos, whose initial zeal for rulership and change in light of war quickly devolved into the daily business of keeping the houses from one another's throats. She abolished guzbucks, mandated toilets in every building, ordered the rebuilding of the walls, vehicle fleet, and sent House Sora scouts to the enemy's territories, all to much acclaim and support of her people. However, she abolished the serfdom of the Chirinetsi, the houseless of the Tietkalim, and ordered that the roles be awarded by merit rather than house. Although her people earnestly accepted this change to their society, it became quickly apparent that the houses were not prepared to part with their traditions without inflicting wounds to one another by tooth and nail. It is during what one such adjudication at the Queen's Court that our story continues. And so we fade back in, and we see Hope sitting upon a throne. There's now a sunroof in this throne room of the Keep of Tiet Kala, and it's spilling light onto the throne and onto the area before the throne and into the galley. gallery. excuse me. Hope, describe what people see when they see the Queen of Tiet Kala. Uh, they see, so her hair's definitely a lot fancier. Uh, it's up for the most part. She's wearing the crown. Gaudy dress, like super gaudy, gold. Uh, jewels, all of that stuff, basically to show wealth, to show power, to be as imposing as possible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and are you dressed in armor? How are you dressed? Um, a, a gown. She doesn't see the need for armor on this throne. She's not trying to war. She's more just trying to uh, rule through her wiles, ra- mm-hmm. because you can't fight anybody on the throne, and she understands this with the help of uh, Nobieri especially Uh, so she wants to show off that she understands the politics or at least is trying to understand the politics and won't stand for any of it excellent so as the crowd as the the court uh, the attendees of the court which are typically the heads of the houses important um people like Chernitsi in particular of who may be in charge of things come to court to have the business of the day settled that's mostly who you see as you gaze out amongst the faces in the crowd but you catch uh, the face of an of a non-tiefling who sometimes attends arms crossed leaning against the wall you see Stanley clean shaven Stanley tell the uh, listeners what you look like these days so uh, Stanley these days is looking uh, still fancy as always. Uh, he has upgraded his armor uh, to a more traditional fancy leather armor, and uh, he's let his hair grow out. It's about shoulder length. He's clean shaven. He's wearing kind of a, a short half cape that seems like something he wears in formal situations like this that covers uh, just one half of him, and. Uh, 
still carries his rapier and all that with him uh, everywhere he goes, but definitely even more cleaned up than he was before, which was already pretty fancy for this world. All right, Hope. Well, that's what you see. You see the faces of the usual courtiers and Stanley leaning against the wall, kind of in the shadow, just observing and not participating. All right. All right. So um, we start in the middle of a debate. Uh, Vermeer Poxus, who is the head of House Poxus, um, master at arms and mother of warriors, has come to you with a complaint, and she's in the middle of expressing such complaint. <clears throat> my queen, my daughter, Nephi, has a desire to become a clothier and an armorer, and she applied to Kitrib's house, that is the house of clothing and armor, to take a position there, and she was refused. There was an opening and Kitrib decided to let her son, uh, I forget her name, one second, uh, Dranch, allow her son Dranch to take that open position. But Dranch is six years younger than my nephew and, and not as talented in the ways of sewing. And most importantly, you've mandated that jobs be given on merit and nephew has merit where her son does not but Kitrib secretly is disobeying your mandate and I would like it rectified and I would like her held to account and then Kitrib uh, immediately speaks out this is false Queen Akmenos Nephi is not qualified to be a clothier or an armorer Dranch may be six years her junior, but in six years' time, Dranch will outpace her talent, and I'd like to invest in members of my house who merit the position first, and I do not owe an explanation to Apoxis. So, quite clearly, you should disregard this petition. In the face yes. of look at... Here's how we're going to settle things. So, you claim your child is better than this other child, or will be, but we need good stuff now. So what's going to happen is we're going to have a competition, and it's going to be in front of a crowd of people, and we'll find ourselves a neutral judge. And the two will be tasked with making three things, three items. And then the judge will determine which one actually is better for us right now. Now, if it happens to not be your son, you can train him in the background. He lives with you. And then in six years' time, if he's as good as you think he will be, he can probably take a position. He will not be as good in six years' time if he doesn't get his apprenticeship now, my lord. My, my lord? My lord? Uh... Which, my lady, my lady. What, what do we call Mal queen? My lady, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my lady, my, my, lady, my lord. It all, my it all works. Your highness, my, my queen, my queen, your highness, my queen, yeah, my, my queen's pretty good. Okay, yeah, my, my lord, she, she must, Dranch must take an apprenticeship now in order to, to be good in six years' time. Well, surely they could work in the background if they're really dedicated. 
So uh, Kitrib doesn't say anything, but there's a clear look of frustration upon her face that is not lost on you. She's trying to hide it, but you can clearly see she's frustrated. She can have her frustrations. Very well. We need we need good materials. We and, don't need and, and then um, Ver Vermeer speaks up and says, and who should be a proper judge? I do not want it to be one of the Ikshili. They will be biased to their house. Who is a good, uh, my queen, in your wisdom, who do you think would be best to judge the quality of the clothes that is also not biased towards House Ijili. Um, and this is armor we're talking about. Armor. Yes, and, um... it's uh, it's clothing. Like they, the House of um, Ijil, uh, they specialize in the fabrication of clothing and the manufacture of textiles, and they also are armorers, so they have blacksmithing specialty as well in this regard. Um. Grab one of the warriors. They would know. Good armor when they see it. Nobieri steps to your side and says, It is decided then. You, you take the queen's decision and you implement it. And both, uh, both heads of houses, both women, bow and sort of step back into the gallery where the main mass of the court is. And <clears throat> Nobieri clears his throat and he says <clears throat> uh, next uh, here we have next on the list um, my queen is uh, Relem Vonch, chief engineer father of castle and town infrastructure would like to speak to you and address the court speak and Relem steps from the gallery of nobles uh, into the sunlight where you can see that he's not a vampire because the sunlight's shining on him. He says, My queen, thank you for taking the time to hear me out today. In Jogolom es Akamenokat. And the rest of the gallery goes, En Jogolom es Akamenokat. Which means, um, what, what does it mean? Uh, yeah, I forget what it means, but it's basically I serve the queen, or you know, I serve the queen in all things. Um, it's a positive thing, and uh, I thank you for taking the time to uh, hear me out. Um, I feel it is important to provide you with a progress report on the improvements to Tiat Kala. Um, we have indeed done uh, everything you have commanded with respect to erecting the outer wall and um, building new buildings which are important to our people, such as the church or the fire uh, fish bird. Um, but I have to tell you now that we are basically out of stone, out of steel, and we have very little wood. We will, we've used the rest to repair the vehicle fleet, so we have that, but um, further repairs to the castle any other, uh, the statues of you and the champions of Tiet Kala, we will not be able to do these things if we do not have the resources. And I wonder if you would hear me out. We have indeed been on high alert for, um, uh, for what you say are the enemies of our kingdom, in particular the principal and his people. My uh, scouts and, and the intelligence we've all shared, not just my own, have 
have said that they, they do occupy Slave Town to the north. And they have ample resources that we would find helpful. I wonder if you would, and he sort of bows down humbly as if he's afraid he's about to get smacked for this, but I would humbly request that you consider opening negotiation to trade with them. Our old partners of trade um, are gone. Hundreds of years have passed. We know of no dwarves, no gnomes with which to do trade. It would seem the only settlement with the resources we require belong to this enemy who has not attacked us in three months. I wonder if there's a possibility that we can begin negotiating our oil and water for trade so we may get these things. And then he looks to the ground sort of humbly. I need five days' time to consider this, and I will be back to you about that. Okay, and then as you say that, um, the door bangs open. And you see Melgor, po- Melgor of Poxus walk into the chamber, and he's carrying on one hand by the collar a man dressed in Trashburg basic with a bag over his head, and the whole crowd goes, <gasps> and he walks in, he looks angry, he's got, as uh, he drags in this guy who's kicking, manacled by the hands and legs, step aside, he says to Relum, and then he, he comes up into the sunlight and throws the body down. Uh, throws the body he's carrying, who's living in the trash brick basic with a bag over his head onto the ground. <clears throat> your, your highness. I have good news. Behold. And then he looks to the, the body he has, who's on all fours, hands and knees, manacled. And you hear, <clears throat> he takes the bag off and you see the head. It's a bald head. It's got tattoos of 26 all over it. You do not forget 27 Carnage. And he goes, get me out of here, man. This this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Get me out of here. (laughs) This guy. And then Melgor, as this guy's talking, he just winds up and punches him, pow, right in the face. He's like, you will show respect to the queen. Your Highness, we have apprehended the one who calls him some number and carnage, leader now of the 26th block, responsible for the murder of four tieflings last week, the self-called rebel forces who mean to take Tietkala for themselves, but obviously cannot, so they are hurting us. He has been a wanted criminal for some months, and we have finally apprehended them. I bring him here for immediate justice for those who have fallen. And then Melgor grabs his like the top of his head and forces him to look up at you. And then sort of kicks him and punches him in the back. Hope will kind of smile a bit. She's loving he, being in power. And he hold he holds him there for you and waits for you to attack. First, we need to find out what he knows. I don't care how you do that. And after that, he dies. Along with anyone he's associated with. We don't need another rebel gang in this town. And you hear, boom! You can't kill us! You bitch! <laughs> Where this place is, belongs to the 26th block. You stole it from us! Boom! 
<laughs> we can't steal you stole from it. the you, dead. You betrayed us. You killed Monsoon Cabbage, our leader, and then you... I don't know where you came from, but... Jed Kala is supposed to be ours. Boom. And you're going to get yours. I'm going to enjoy watching kill... And then Melgor just pow! Just punches him right in the jaw and, like, teeth fly out. And You would be silent and show respect to the queen. Please, he still needs to speak. He, he looks up to you and goes, spits at his tooth. And he goes, <laughs> and he just laughs in your face. He's laughing maniacally from the punch. And then I'll just nod at Melgor to take him to whatever torture chamber he needs to go to. <laughs> Are you sure you don't, can't just make your decision here? And they sort of... He takes one hand and sort of unleashes the sword from that he has in the scabbard from his back. In case he knows anything. There's no need for him to delay justice in this case. Let me kill this scum. But you said he has others with him, yes? Oh, sorry, I can't hear you. Sorry. It's my bad, it's my bad. Okay, Uh, but but you said there are others with him, yes? We've apprehended 18 of the 26 block gang. They resisted, and most of them were killed in the conflict. Take him in front of his people and kill him there. Very well. And then he picks up, uh, he, he puts the bag back over 20, uh, 47 Carnage's head and <laughs> and then ties it up. And you just hear, boom! <laughs> and then Melgor drags him out, this time behind him, him facing up. And the crowd is like, you look around the crowd, they're all in shock. And Relum sort of looks, and and, and I'll he, he yeah, I'll turn back. to Relum and I'll go five days. Thank you, Your Highness. And then Nobieri, <clears throat> you can tell when he's beginning to get impatient. And you're getting close to the end of the session. He goes, um, <clears throat> "We have one more for you. Uh, one more petition for you. Uh, let me see here." Uh, it's, it's, there is a gnome from outside of Tietkala who's come here to see you. His name is Figaro Belshivers. What? <laughs> Can you repeat that name? <laughs> Figaro Belshivers. Belshivers? Figaro Belshivers. That's awesome. All right. Um, he, he says that he has uh, a message from his people and would like to speak to the queen and request an audience. Hopeful nod. Okay, so um, Nobieri nods to some pages and the pages sort of run. Open the door. And then after a few moments goes by, the throne room doors open, swing open once again. And with two guards behind him guarding him, a small little gnome in a hood begins walking, short, waddling down the aisle. And he gets close to the light. And then he bows, not having removed his hood to you. And then as he looks up, you see his face, and you see it's the face of Softhead. And he pulls the hood back. My great queen hope of Chietkala, greetings to you. Gods. Wait, wait. I am sorry for the subterfuge. At least restrain him. 
But and I won't. I, I won't listen until he's restrained. The guard. The guards. Mo- the guards move immediately and grab both of his arms as he stretches his mouth to speak. He says, "No, no, please. I submit myself to your mercy. I bring word from the principal. He would have you hear me out. Your grace." Speak. And he he looks as if to search his words for a quick second. He seems quite scared. Sorry, I'm just... Yep, he seems quite scared. He says, I am Lord Softhead. I know who you are. A trusted noble of the principal. Get to the point. And (laughs) the the great principal wishes to meet with the great queen of Tiet Kala in order to forge peace between our two nations and to move forward together to face the future and our mutual enemies. The principal has learned of the affairs beyond the dead fingers and the return of the great tieflings and he shares their disdain of demon kind and thinks that the tieflings and the great races of the principal's lands are destined to work together and would like to begin discussions about peace. Did he have anything else to say, Softhead? Finish this up. <laughs> he said to tell... I am author, I can't... You have to meet with him to speak about more sensitive matters, but I am allowed to tell you that he apologizes for the attack on Dust Hill and that he... You have met a, 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 an elf by the name of Ethanelia the magistrate of Slave Town. It was not the principal's orders to raid Dust Hill, but Ethanelia's. He tasked me himself with penetrating Dust Hill in order to soften his defenses, its defenses. But I have learned since my time lost beneath that, that place that we used to call home, Hope, that I was misguided. Well, I'm glad so, you're ready to atone for your sins, and then she'll make the the hand gesture to kill him. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! And the, the sword comes out, and the guard looks at you. He stops. Wait, wait! The principal's prepared to release the slaves of Dust Hill to your custody. All of them. As an act of... as, as a gesture, as a first gesture for peace. All of your slaves, all of them, no longer slaves, return to you. But if you kill me, we can't make that happen. Please, I submit myself to you. Hear me out. Do not kill me. and Do not turn your back on this. We are allies. The future can only be met together through the strength of the living races. The principle is going to glance back at Stanley. What does Stanley look like right now? Uh, Stanley, seeing Softhead, has moved up, definitely. He's not hanging in the back. Um, and he is uh, currently watching this intently. And I think he would probably give a gesture of let's hear him out. Okay. Not... I'm just like a nod that you understand what it means. And Yeah. 
Right, soft head, keep speaking. Um, okay, so uh, he, the, the principal has said that there, there can be more that is beneficial. He will su- release the slaves no matter what transpires today, except if you kill me, which is clearly a sign of, of war. But we can release the slaves, and then you can meet with the principal in person at a place of your choosing to discuss the future of our two kingdoms together. And, and of course, the principal will, will have things that he would like, but you can also make demands. I heard through the walls, I'm sorry, but that you're perhaps low on stone and, and wood. And we have lots of that from Mogan Frogan, the dwarven empire across the Dead Fingers, as well as our great fields. There, there is much for Tietkala to gain. I have set aside my spite, Hope. When Peter died, I didn't know what was going to become of me, but, but the principal helped me see my strength. And we all have to recover from our hurt. So please, please, my So queen. the slaves will be released so long as I don't kill you. Well, that would be an act of war. I, I am acting, I am a noble, acting on behalf of the principal. I'm not just the nice gnome softhead you knew from Dust Hill. I never was. I am, I am a special agent of the principal who performs certain tasks of a delicate nature for him. Mostly statecraft is what I do best. Not much statecraft in Dust Hill. I will respect what the principal asks, but you do require some form of punishment for what you've done to us over the past few times. And since you like to talk so much, how about we cut out that tongue? No, no, my queen, my queen, please. And then she'll motion to the guards to cut out the tongue, but you know, burn the stump so he doesn't bleed out. Right then and there? As long as he's alive. Right then and there? Yes. Okay. He goes, he starts screaming, no, no, ah, ah. And then the, the guards just slowly, quietly, and very methodically pin him down. Very easy to do. And you don't see what's going on in the scrum of guards, but you hear a whoo. And then you see the tongue sort of get tossed and then slide across the ground, a trail of blood. And you ah, in there. And then, um, I'm not sure what they have. One of the guards walks towards a torch in the in <laughs> in the room <laughs> and brings it into the scrum of men. You hear and then Softhead. Uh, the, the, the 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 dudes begin to separate from him, and you see him lying on the ground, and the screaming stops as he passed out, blood and black soot covering his face. Now you go back to the principal and you tell him I'm willing to meet with him. He's unconscious. Oh. <laughs> uh, wait until he wakes up. Send him with a note. <laughs> that I'll meet with the principal. We, he came here uh, with a false story, my lady. We do not know where he come from. Where should we put him? Let him go back. He can still write if he needs to. Just throw him on the street and Orphirith? 
I'll throw some water on his face, see if he'll wake up. Okay, so someone the lead one of the pages runs out and runs back in with a pail of water, and he gives it to one of the guards, and the guard looks at you, waiting for your okay. I'll give a nod. And he takes the pail back and chucks it. <gasps> what have you done? That's a thank you. He holds his mouth. Me and my friends. Now you go back. We will meet with him. You can still communicate through writing. I haven't killed you this day, so I haven't transgressed on any promises that the principal made. And we will talk about the release of the prisoners. Where are we to meet? Where are we to meet you? You would come to me in my castle here in three days' time. Thank you for your mercy, Queen. If I ever see you again, I kill you. <laughs> Get out. And you, you see the bottle waddling out. As it runs out of the, as it runs out of the throne room. And the throne room is silent. You see the faces of your tieflings, and they, they behold you with shock. Can someone clean up this tongue. Pages hurry up with brooms and begin. They clean up the tongue, put it in a dustbin, and and another page gets on their hands and knees with the cloth and begins scrubbing in circles, cleaning up the blood. Snash was there. He'd keep the tongue. Looks to you and says, "There is no more for today." And so court is adjourned until tomorrow. And then the, the gallery begins to rise up and everyone begins to shuffling out. The discussion, though, this was a very eventful court. This is not a typical day at court. There is a loud din of conversation as the tieflings are talking amongst one another and begin filtering out very quickly, including the guards. And then it's you and Nobieri and Stanley. I don't know if you're leaving or staying. No, I'd probably hang back. All right, it's just the three of you in the throne room now. The door's closed, the page the page sort of takes both doors and makes a show of closing them. And it's just Nobieri, Hope, and Stanley in the throne room. Oh, we might have the slaves back. I think this is our first good opportunity to see something like that happen, though I don't trust it for a minute. No, me either. Nobieri, I don't want anyone going out by themselves. I'm sure the principal wants some sort of retaliation for what I just did, and we need to stop that as much as we can. Oh, I don't know. I think that the principal values your... values you. And if there's something to be gained, he can... he can find it in him to allow you to have this. I would not worry about this. But uh, you should discuss it with the rest of your group, yes? You have a history with the principal. You have things that... Other business in this regard. Perhaps you should go on one of your walks tonight? Yes. I think I will. Very good. Now, um, he looks to you, Stanley, and he says, I wanted to give this to you, Hope. And he produces um, a stone from his jacket. You said that if you ever had to leave Tietkala, if we could find a way to communicate over vast distances, 
we've found a way to do that. I've created this stone here for you. It's called a sending stone. It's sort of this glowing rock, and he gives it to you. It says, once per day you can send a message to the other stone, which I will keep. And that way you can learn of the affairs of what's happening here, and you can relay your wishes back to me. Thank you. Good. Um, yes, so you should return to your chambers and dress appropriately for leaving uh, and um, and discuss it with your friends. I, I must think about what all this means before I provide you with counsel. And she'll nod and let Nobieri go on, dismissing him a little bit the royal okay. way. Yep, and Nobieri leaves the room. Well, Hope, what are your thoughts? <laughs> What if, what if he was right about the slaves? Do you think I should have killed him? I don't know. I hate to see Soft Ted get away again. He's a slippery one, to say the very least, but it's a lot of people's lives to weigh against one gnome that we will find again. Very true. So, did you have a fun time today in this? Well, it was certainly more exciting than some of the previous courts, that's for sure. I didn't fall asleep, but uh, I would welcome a little less uh, surprises like that. I wasn't really ready to be reminded of Soft Head. Yeah. How's the hospital going, by the way? Well, uh, it's mostly taking care of itself at this point. Seems to be up and operating just fine. I wanted to say thank you again for letting me oversee that. Uh, no, please, please don't. You, the three of you, I could never thank you enough for what you've done. Well, I will see if I can get word out to the others and find them and make sure we're all in the same place tonight. Sounds good, Verelsbar. Yeah. Hope I'll nod and start walking back. It's going to take an hour to change or something. <laughs> no, you, you, you begin walking back down the hallway, and you leave Stanley to it. And um, you actually see one of your tutors walking down the hallway towards you. And you have a strong impulse to turn around and go hide, but he's seen you. And he's made eye contact. Doesn't say anything, but he's walking. You're, you're passing each other in the hallway. Hope we'll take a deep breath and make eye contact. And His name is Tuziel. And he not... goes, <clears throat> Queen, Queen. Y yes. I know that you are my queen, but you are my student. Have you finished reading volume three of the histories of the War of Twenty Sons and Daughters by Evangelist Dentipius? I'm halfway through. I promise I'll finish it tonight. It's You're... a long read. You will be dead long before we ever finish what we need to. Your ancestors knew the value of, of study. You need to devote more time to reading. Tonight, read the book. There's no excuse. Okay, I'll read the book. I'll finish it tonight. Mm -hmm. And then he just makes that noise and he continues walking down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> there will so be a quiz tomorrow, young Hope. 
the hopeful give a respectful nod to her tutor. <laughs> and as she gets changed and ready, she'll have one of her uh, well, chambermaids yeah. to read it aloud to her. You're getting ahead of yourself because oh. uh, you go to your chambers and open it up <laughs> and you see there are two tieflings in there with you. And one is the queen's royal clothier, Tranquil, who picks your clothes, makes your clothes, assigns people to make your clothes, and dresses you. I'm not sure if you let her do that or not, but she's there for you. And Koba. And Koba is your beautician who applies some makeup and just generally provides advice on how you look. And Tranquil and Koba work together with you. And so they're in your room, and, and as soon as you open the door, they were kind of probably lounging about. So they sit up and they go, my queen, and they curtsy before you. And, and how was court today? Says Tranquil. Uh, very eventful today. I'm sure you'll hear about it later as word spreads. It was fun. Okay, and um, uh, are you done for the day or do we need to pick a new uh, uh, clothing for you for... Do you have a romantic date tonight? Uh, no, no, just uh, uh, dress me down. No, has Melgor said anything to you? N no, dress me down. I, I, yes, my lady. And Koba says, I'm going to excuse myself, my lady, but unless you need my services. Yes, actually, could you read aloud from this book? And she'll point at the history book. Um, uh, she looks sort of awkwardly. I, I, I don't want to say no, my lady, but I'm Chirnetsi. Oh. I, I don't know how to read. Um, could you go find me somebody who can? Certainly. Yes, I will. And Koba sort of gets up hurriedly and, and walks out. And then, so it's just you and Tranquil in the room. And Tranquil says, ah, Belko is dreamy, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, if it's not someone that you want, maybe maybe someone else, if someone else was interested, would you object, I, my queen? I think he likes his job too much. <laughs> what did you say? He likes his junk too much? His, his job. job. <laughs> <laughs> he can like junk too much, too. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, let's undress you now. Uh, turn around and I'll unzip you. All right. And then hope I'll start taking so you, the you position. So you turn around and, and um, you hear, I don't know. I think I've seen the way Melgo looks at you. He's not. It's like he's not supposed to, but then, then he's looking at you and he thinks nobody notices. I, I I don't know. I hope we'll just stay silent. Then a moment goes by. Say that again, Bo. You cut out a little. A moment goes by and nothing happens. You're expecting Trinkle to unzip your the back of your dress and or unbutton it rather and untie it, but she hasn't started yet. Um, is everything all right? And hope we'll look behind her. You look behind her, and then you see Tranquil's corpse on the floor, and you see a large shadow of a man, a tiefling, dark, his eyes red, like Darth Maulish looking. His eye, and he goes, what is it? Yeah. He says, we cut those who are named uncut, and he stabs you. Oh! Roll for initiative. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, 23. Okay, and um, your AC naturally, because you don't have armor on, I think is like 10, right? Uh, yeah, let me uh, de-equip that here. A 14. Okay, so he hits you, and uh, this is with sneak attack damage, so it's going to be a lot. Uh, 1d6. 
All right, so you take four points of regular damage, and then I need you to make a fifth. Uh, sorry, constant a Constitution saving throw. Your target is fifteen. All right, uh, twenty. Twenty. Okay, so and you feel you can see on the blade that it's dripping with the green ooze as it as it cuts you, but you're not. I mean, it's it's so in the moment you're not entirely sure, but basically, um, you feel that. There's something festering immediately inside as it burns in an unusual way. You've been cut several times throughout your life, so you know what a cut feels like, but your flesh begins to bubble and you take... You take uh, 18 points of poison damage. Oh, sweet. Defense. So that's half, right? Do you get half? You're you're resistant to poison? Uh, Yes. Oh, cool. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> what do you? What do you? What do you? Where does the resistance come from? Is that just from being a tiefling, or? Uh, it was one of the feats I took when we made the deal with Katovalpraith. Oh, sick! I didn't even know that. That's great. Perfect. Or I did, but you know, I didn't think of it when I was coming up with this. Okay, right, so um, but he stabs you, and he looks at you, and he his eyes lock with yours as he takes his hand. He's not grappling you, but he grabs your chin and he forces your face to look at yours, and he goes. Dolo Papio, Dolo Papio, Dolo Papio, Dolo Papio. And he just says that same name of a demon you've heard of before in your face. It is your turn to act. Um, do I... I um, you have no weapons. You're wearing a princess dress. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do, I just wanted to make sure I could make a sound. I'll just call out, Gabs! Gabs, okay. get in here! All right, you can you can call that out. I'll give that to you for free, but you can also fight back. You do have a robot arm and robot leg. And yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. Which you can use as a mace, so you aren't unequipped. Just totally. So tools. I'll go to reach for my horn and my fake horn, pull it out, and go to stab his neck. Okay. Finesse weapon. Oh my goodness! Hold on, this has been a bit. So call this a dagger. Let it do the math for me. Where are you, Dagger? There we go. Okay. Oh. Butters. Uh... Butters? <laughs> you really <laughs> have become a princess. All the swearing is gone. Three months! Right? Three months of tough training! Um, let's see. It's gonna be... <laughs> a 12. That was play of the game right there. Um, 12. Okay. Um, so you go to stab with your horn, and it hits his leather and just doesn't penetrate into the skin, uh, doing any damage. Uh, you have a bonus action and a possible move. Remember, he's not grappling you. He's just holding your face and being threatening. Okay. In that case, what I'll do But if you is... do move outside, he gets an opportunity attack. So something... Yeah. Um, so what I'll do is I'll pop my, um... My action oh, surge, so I can disengage. Remember, when you take an attack action, you get two attacks. Yeah, yeah, but I want to get away from this guy. Okay. All right. So I'll use my action surge for an additional action to disengage, and then I'll dash for the door. Okay. So, oh, you're gonna. How are you using the disengage? Uh, to you... disengage from him, so, so that you use as your I action. Move, You've used your action to attack, mm-hmm. so you can't... Do you have a way to use disengage? Yes, my used? action surge. That gives me an, an, another perfect. action. Got it. Okay, that's what... I, yeah, perfect. So you, you sort of push his, his hands aside, you push the knife away, and just get... You know, you're able to sort of 
move his body quickly so that he can't attack you as you step out from his range and walk, you run to the door? Yeah. Okay, and you... Okay, you run to the door. Yeah, okay. So you run about 30 feet, you're at the door, and you're at the door. So that's your turn. He chases okay. after you. He chases okay. after you right behind you, throws his body at you, and makes an attack. It's a natural 20. Oh, shit. Uh, let's see. So that's super bad for you. Okay, so he is going... You Can you make your DC... Um, sorry, your poison save, constitution save, please? Yes. Going to be a 17. Okay, so you save uh, on the dam. You get half damage on the poison, but you do take seven points of physical uh, slashing damage for okay. knife, and then okay, and you take twenty three. Oh, yeah, twenty three points of poison damage. That's halved oh, <laughs> because of your. Uh, the, sorry, it's halved because you saved on the throw, uh -huh. and then you have the 23 because of your resistance to poison damage. Yeah. Make sense? Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so he just runs up behind you and right in the side, think, you feel the knife sink in, you feel poison course all through your side. And you bang again, like he bangs you up against, uh, you up against the door, so he pushes you into the door as you try to open it and then stabs you right there. It's your turn. Alright. Uh, um... Okay, so my arm is loaded. Mm -hmm. I think I have disadvantage if the ranged weapon is used too close. Ah! Blood wreckers. <laughs> okay, hold on. That you're going to do a so Kyle she'll butt. Still keep <laughs> you're, you're, you're in your bedroom, so where do you keep your guns? Yeah, yeah, she's still screaming for the guards to yep. get in there. Hell, I'm yeah. assuming some of them are dead. Um, yeah, so she'll... Where does she keep her guns? Oh, okay. So she'll scramble back over to where her bed is. And then underneath the floorboard under her bed is where she keeps her guns. And she'll okay. go to grab Scully. You, you can you can do all... That'll be your action to collect your guns. Okay. And it'll be your move action to get to where your bed is. But you'll you incur an opportunity attack to do this because he's right he's right next yeah. to you up against the door. It doesn't okay. you know it's fine. Yeah. It, it, I'm just saying that it's gonna he's gonna get one. Yeah, go for it. All right, a natural one. Sweet, yes. I got both ends both ends of the spectrum. So <clears throat> he goes to make a swing at you as you move, and you find an opening, and you can make a free attack uh, on him in lieu of him getting an opportunity attack on you. Okay, cool. With the dagger, I can swing it out. And anything you have that can attack him, you can do. It's a 10. <laughs> Is it 10 plus your roll? It's your a dagger's 10. 10 plus 7. Oh, you're getting real low. Okay, I got so a 3. You try to make an attempt to, to flip the script and opportunity attack him, but it doesn't work. You miss. So you both sort of go, and do these like Jason Bourne things as you dodge and try to swing at each other. And then finally, you're able to dive under the bed, snap the button, flip up the board. Pull out your guns, you know, flip them around your hand, and get back up. Uh, okay, and now, this time in lieu of coming straight at you for an attack, he takes his knife. He has one knife in his hand. He's his skin looks cracked and, and black, and he's got boils everywhere in his face. And he's like, eh, "Della Popio, 
Dolo Popio. Dolo Popio. There's so much glare on my screen right now. Dolo Popio. And he just he just looks, he just stands there and he just, he's between you and the door and he's just waiting for you to get within range to strike at you again. It's your turn. <laughs> Whatever's glaring off is glaring on your face, so it's creating this really awesome effect. Dolo Popio. Dolo Popio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, uh, while this is going on, I'll be... Uh, I guess, do I need to be touching the gun belt to summon the bullets? Yeah, if you don't have the gun belt, you don't have the bullets. Okay. But, you could just, you know, we can say that you make it your routine to keep the gun loaded with the regular bullets that don't, you don't have to maintain every day. Here's, here's what I'm thinking, is that the, the guns would be with the... Uh, the belt? The belt, yes. So I'd be so there. You, rather than pick up the guns, you pick up the belt, put the belt on. Oh, okay. So you're, you're wearing a princess. Then. You're wearing your princess outfit, looking regal and sexy as f. And then like you've got a gun. You got you got your guns and like cowboy belt, like all uh, all adorned with your okay, crown on cool. and everything. And then I'll summon the radiant darts because I'm going to assume he's going to be weak to radiant damage since he keeps saying a demon's name. And then I'll load up Scully, and I'll take my two attacks. Okay, sounds good. And these are radiant darts you're firing. Yes. The first one is going to be a 15. Okay. Uh, let me check the uh, stat block. You've scored yourself a hit. Cool. And then the second one is a 21. Okay, roll your damage dice for both, please. Kick ass. All right, so radiant. It should be 2d8 plus 6 for each gun, and then whatever the radiant dart does. Uh, I'm going to look that up now. So 13 damage for the first one. Radiant dart does an additional 2d8 if you're hitting a fiend or undead creature. Yeah. So do I get to roll extra? Oh, damage? sorry. I'm having trouble with my headphones here. Sorry. Can I hear anyone? Yeah. Okay. Test, test. Yeah, sorry. There's a loose connection right now. It's my bad. It's, I think it broke this week. Okay, so if you've shot, you've shot uh, the two shots. How much damage is it? Do I get to add the extra damage? Um, You do. Awesome. All right, so the first one is going to do is uh, twenty damage. Okay, and the second. Second is going to be uh, twenty-one. Okay, both shots fire out, and they slice through, and these holes sort of open up, and it seems to like. It seems to burn these yellow holes, kind of like the way that black hole picture looked. Like these yellow holes sort of just shoot. It doesn't blow off pieces of his flesh. It just creates these holes. And you hear him go, ah! And white light begins to pour out of his mouth. Dollar Pompeo! Ah! And then the door kicks open. You see a foot. And you see two Poxus, uh, Poxus knights as they run in and just start hacking at him. One has a, a battle axe. The other one has a sword. And they just start killing him as you delivered most of the damage, but they hold him down and just end his life. 
Hope's got nothing to say. She's just watching this thing. Koba comes back in. She she goes, Ah! Tranquil! And she just runs by Tranquil. And then Melgor also sort of runs in. He's like, My queen! And he walks up to you. He's like, Are you safe? Uh, I'll look down at the cut in my side. (laughs) Get her a doctor now. Get Nobieri. And then... I think we're gonna leave it there for now and take our break well there we'll you go back. all right we'll get to moral. yeah man didn't know you were gonna get accosted stanley should have gone with her and watched the show well you know no one's really no one's really allowed in the queen's bedroom <laughs> Stanley want to read me a book <laughs> yeah history yeah. of war mm. what you doing hope getting changed can i come yeah hey. can he come hang out <laughs> Surprise, three months, I became a creeper. Hey. (laughs) We're going to uh, take that break and... Sorry, my headphones are misbehaving a little bit. No worries. It's all good. I don't know why my camera's so bright for you guys. It's annoying. You know, you brighten up the room, Scott. I really do. There you go, that's better. Uh, All right, we are back from the break and continue on down this path with Bo. Bo, go ahead. Okay, so we're going to continue on with Hope for a little bit longer. Uh, Hope, uh, you're standing uh, in the room with your guns drawn, having just fired two shots. The guards have left the room, uh, and Melgor is standing there. And he looks to Koba, and he says, Koba, you must go now. And then after Koba obeys immediately, runs out, and he closes the door. We must do this now, Hope. And he pulls out a dagger. What did he say to you? Uh, Dolopopio. He kept repeating it. This is bad. That's all he said. He kneels next to the corpse and he looks at it and he says, This is... And then he takes out a notepad. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name. The DM does. Um, sorry. This is Ternelib. He's Chernetsi. He has been missing for some weeks now. His family has reported him missing. And he takes a knife and he begins, he puts it into the tiefling's ear and he begins cutting around the ear. Ugh. He cuts a big circle and then he pulls on the ear and there's a stringy sort of attachment. His muscle snaps and he pulls it off with his strength and he pulls the ear out. And he sets it on the ground and then he reaches a tiefling finger with his nail inside and begins scratching. And he looks at you while he does it. Ah, and then he pulls up. It's a worm squirming in his fingers. And then he shows the worm up, and then he drops it and he crushes it under his foot. Hope, you've been mocked by the Lord of Madness. What, what can I do? Which you will have to discuss this with nobody. Go see your friends. You need to put together a list of any other tieflings or people who have gone missing. We will round up his family and begin investigating how this even was allowed to happen. And he charges out of the door. No, wait. Not just his family. Anybody else who's talked about missing, okay? We will compile a report of missing persons and find out who it is. And then he just looks at you. With his hand on the door handle. And Hope and will look at it's him. For a, it's for a minute too long. 
concern in his eyes. He lets out a grunt, and then he turns to the door, opens it, and walks out. He says, Men! To me now! And you hear him down the hallway. Erstwhile, in the old village of Trashburg, mm. now renamed, and if you'll check Roll20, you'll see the new map of Nutietkala. Mm. Orphiruis. Oh, look at that. In the old place where Charlemagne stood, Varel Rasvim Kyrik became the de facto proprietor of this establishment. And in the time since Froghemoth was slain, he has renovated it into his own place and now will switch over to the Golden Sands and Roll 20. Awesome. It's late afternoon. The sun is beginning to go down. The place is packed with tieflings and the din of conversation, oblivious to the goings-on in the keep. And Varel is at the bar, wiping it down, pouring drinks, and telling Bok-Bok the orders that he needs. Got my uh, a little half apron on. Mm-hmm. Practically Describe muddy. for us what you look like while you do this work. Yeah, it's a typical I mean, day for Varel these days. Got a, I've got a nice, what would be white apron on my lower half on. People seem to appreciate the food more once I covered the lower half of my body, so I began doing it. Uh, it's a bit dirty, a bit muddy, because I just wipe my hands on it from everything, use it to clean the glasses. I got a big barrel next to me that's just got general brew in it. So I just pour whatever's left <laughs> general, It's like general tau chicken, but it's general brew. Yeah. There's a, there's a menu that hangs behind me. It says in common, pay what you want, barrel brew. Listed below that, pay what you want, barrel stew. <laughs> Fist broiled <laughs> daily. The ladle being special. Charlemagne's leftovers. Bok Bok's blowy moonshine. And the stranger special below that. <laughs> stranger special. <laughs> you get there's, the a, there's a uh, chalkboard that's been added to the far side of the room mm-hmm. that says Monday, written on the top, common lessons. Friday, weapon crafting. And below that is written uh, peace, I bring peace with the E's underlined. And then don't shoot and then the O's are both underlined. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the middle of the room is a a, a dried out, half fossilized tree stump with all the gnarled roots and pinned to it with nails and and various instruments are pieces of paper. The stump of deeds where I hang all jobs that come through my door for worthy adventurers. And on the by the wall where they enter, right by the door, is the pod, the rules of the bar, the pillars of decency. And it has three rules. Honest talk, fair deals, and kinship among T and Collins. And then there's one table in the back corner there where carved in crudely with a dagger is written liars. And at that table is where everyone's playing cards. 
And that is the only table I allow anyone to lie at in my bar. <laughs> is that Foley or is that someone eating chips, by the way? No, that's Foley. It's listen, it's cars okay. being dealt. Here, listen, listen oh, to cars. this. Deal. Oh, cars. Oh. Nice. I thought Scott was sneaking chips, but I couldn't see it. No, they're cards. <laughs> um, that's a beautiful, beautiful description, Varel. Um, and it's a normal dinner service with tieflings. Uh, you look around, they all seem to enjoy being there, enjoying the companionship of their friends, and good, good food for the most part there. And through the back door stumbles in a human. Now you know this guy. This guy's name's Bob. Bob the human. <laughs> And he, he comes in every day, and he's a drunk. And he goes, Hey there, Varel! Bob? Good see you again. Now, keep in mind, he was just inside the building ten minutes ago. He just went out to go puke. As he does behind <laughs> the bar. It's good to see you again. I had... I had to... I had an adventure. This is an adventurer's guild. <laughs> Can I have a drink? Of course, Bob. And as always, I appreciate your outdoor evacuations. Huh? <laughs> evacuation. Um, I'll have an evacuation. I, no. Um, can I? Can I get the, the, the general brew? To pay what you want, please. And I grab a cup, dip it in the barrel next to me. I also have a tendency to dump old cups into that barrel. Okay. Half half drunk, put it on the table. I'd like to pay you with telling you how much I love you, man. <laughs> you are the best thing that's ever happened to me. It was so hard to get drunk before. Now it's so easy. I just want to say thank you. I love you, man. I'm afraid that's not currency, I've learned in my time here. I do accept, perhaps, uh, pieces of cloth, leather, boots, <laughs> found animals. Um, then he dicks, dips into his pockets, and then he pulls out the clothespin. And then he pulls out, oh, wait a second, I, I got something. I still love you, man. I, I know, you gotta run a business. You can't run a business if you're not making any of them. Right? You know what I'm saying. Little dollars. <laughs> and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a little piece of lint. Pretty big. He puts it on. I don't, don't know what that is. Back in. Oh, I found one. And he puts a washer on the table. There you go. And then he puts both hands around the mug. Oh. And he begins sliding it towards himself. Currency from a foreign land, eh? <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Uh, that's the gold piece right there. And takes the mug and he begins. <sighs> so good. Oh. You should be a doctor, Varel. Because you're healing my soul with this sweet beverage. Oh. That's very kind of you to say, Bob. And he just sits there looking awkward. He doesn't, he's not one, he's not much for talking once he's got the drink in his hand. And then you see the door to the establishment open. You don't see anything come through it. So you peer a little deeper. And much to your surprise, you see a dwarf walk in. And this dwarf, he's wearing leathers and 
traveling clothes, a vest with uh, large arms, muscular on either side exposed, about a forest full of hair, Dan Hedaya style, just giant pile of hair on those shoulders. He's got a large beard, he's wearing goggles, and he lifts the goggles up and he goes, Hey, Bottle, good to see you again. And you remember this guy from... You remember this guy from... uh, Months ago. You haven't seen him in months. Used to be a regular, but he's been gone for a while. It's good to be back. What are you pouring there, laddie, today? Don't well, give me not none of them. for the barrel. Pardon me. I spoke when you spoke. I didn't hear you. I know you're not much for the barrel. We do have some of Bok moonshine left. Moonshine? You're trying to kill me, lad. I just got in. I'm thirsty. I don't want to rearrange my uh, guts. That is fair. I have heard that it F's you up, as they say around here. I've also been informed to exclude the middle word there by some. Look, laddie, I just need something that tastes hard and is cold. If you don't mind. And I'll head into the back here, around uh, around Bok in the kitchen, and start mm-hmm. digging through the old bottles that Charlemagne has left behind. You start digging through here. <laughs> Bok your words. We've been practicing. I, you m- must make careful Bok Bok kitchen. I apologize, Bok Bok. Beautiful kitchen. He's got an apron on, and he stands on a stool over a pot, and he's stirring it. Bok Bok stir. He's stirring whatever's in there. And I will move more careful to make sure I'm not clinking old Charlemagne glasses as I dig through. You've been, you've been living with Bok Bok for a while, and you've come to realize, surprisingly, that he's quite possessive of the kitchen and where everything belongs in the kitchen and gets cranky when things are not put in the right place in the kitchen. Alright. I'm leaving, Bok Bok. Mind the stew well. Yes, yes! Bok Bok stew! Stir! Stir. I'll head back out into the the main area and unpop the bottle. Start pouring it for the dwarf. Ah, thank you, laddie. It's been a long two months, eh? (sighs) How goes the venture? Well, I've been meaning that that's what I came here for. Remember on your board there, you said uh, if you had any information about uh, uh, the principal's lands, to come and tell you about it. Yeah. I went to Mogan Frogan to do some trading on the Diamond Stroke, my uh, my land yacht, and uh, I got uh, some. I got some news for you, but let me drink my drink first. And then on that note, Nash enters the bar. Whoa, sweet. And Nash, this is part of... Oh, jeez. Jesus is coming down to rescue me right now. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. Look at that. That is wild. We've never had that happen before. No, it's because the earth is rotating. (laughs) <laughs> oh, is, is the world ending right now? Like, 
This is insane. That's this awesome. This is the craziest I've ever seen. The okay, I'm gonna have to get better curtains, I guess. There's nothing I can do, guys. Sorry, just turn my camera off. No, it's great. It adds to the majesty. Go I ahead. like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, so Nash, you walk in. Nash, everyone's daily routine except for Hope, who gets kind of busy. Um, there we go. He's uh, <laughs> getting to everyone's daily routine is to come and to have dinner at, at you know and just meet with friends here where you can. I mean, Nash, you bring Angela Ashley sometimes, sometimes you don't. Yeah. So you're here often enough. Okay. And today is one of those typical normal days. So you walk in, hungry, to the bar. You see tieflings everywhere. Din of conversation at Varel's, and you see a drunk at the bar and a dwarf at the bar, and you see Varel. I'm going to come up to the uh, bar and go, Varel, old friend. I, Nash, I, my longtime companion. I hope I'm not interrupting. I don't believe we've been introduced. I look oh. at the dwarf. Uh, and what was the dwarf's name, if I remember from two months ago? Uh, Joe Derry. This is Joe Derry. He is back from a trip to uh, Loggenfrogen? Uh, Mogan Fro- uh, I went to Mogan Frogan. Mogan Frogan. Yes, it's a big dwarven settlement in the mountains there at the Leaden Fingers. Uh, this is Nash, a savior of the town, in fact. The Nash. Ah, you speak too highly of me. Nash Maggard of the Solar Mines, and I grasp his tiny little dwarf hand. Well, good to meet you. Uh. She grabs your hand, shakes it, and you see muscles and hair ripple. Or her, not him, sorry. You don't uh, look like the type to save a town. You look like you belong in a hospital. Let's say it was a group effort. And I nod over to Varel and just say, uh, I'm starving. What do you guys have tonight? The usual, as it is every night. Uh, the special this evening is, of course, the Fisp Royal Daily of meats I've collected through the various jobs being performed. <laughs> I believe we have rat this evening. Ooh, I like rat. I'll have rat. Excellent. Surprise rat. me with how you prepare it. I'll take, I'll take whatever you got there, buddy. Forgive me for saying, but rat doesn't sound special. That's, uh... That's the kind of meat you eat when you got nothing else to eat. Truly. Yeah, Varel, you shouldn't be serving that. My friend here is not offended by the meats I've selected in the past. Not Surely at all. he would have informed me. He's, he's a whiz in the kitchen, little person. Now, if you put enough seasoning on the rat, then it can taste like a beef. But... I don't know. Hold on, are you telling me you've got uh, extraordinary amounts, perhaps herds of fresh cattle somehow in the mountains, and yet we down here in the valley have no, uh, have none? How, how, what do you, what do you, where do you come Boy, from? Boy, do I look meat? like a beggar? I'm Captain Jodery Strongney of the Diamond Stroke, the biggest land yacht in the desert. We've got trade supplies, meat, stone, wood, everything. You want something, Joe Derry can get it for you. Is the meat tainted and radiated? No. 
Well, then how are you? Only the f- finest, only the finest of goods are sold aboard, aboard the Diamond Stroke. Well, now, this is the first I'm hearing of this, and I'd be no offense to my patrons. Most order the stew or the sandwiches. However, Nash has a habit of coming in and ordering the special, which is whatever was slain recently on the stump of deeds. These are the rats. say no one really eats the special, but you make it anyway. We keep it available, yes. Alright, so what else have you got? You got something that ain't rat? Yes, there's the stew in the back that Bok Bok makes every night. And there's the Ladobing special. The, sta- the sand squid sandwiches. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> sand squid, you say? I'll have, I'll have a sand squid, squid sandwich. Excellent. That's a rare delicacy for me. But, uh... So, you're Nash. That's me. You don't look like how they describe you in the tales. Oh, and how how would that be? As a great dragon man who breathes acid on his enemies. But you look like a hospital patient. <laughs> well... You don't need to believe me, but those tales are true. I guess you can come in here and tell me that the soil hasn't gone sour where you live and you're able to graze your cattle and have pristine beef produced. I don't live anywhere but the land yacht, Diamond Stroke. I travel the land and meet all kinds of people. Great. Emphasis on the meat. But the point is, uh, the stories you hear, the tales you hear of me are true. And I'm not about to demonstrate it tonight. I came here for a meal and I'm gonna have it. If you stick around long enough, chances are you'll get to see it whether you want to or not. Fair enough. And he turns back to his uh, drink and drinks it. Now I'll, I'll walk to the back and yell back to Bok Bok that we'll have a Ladlebing special out here. Oh, bye! You hear it from the kitchen. <laughs> 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 and he, he knocks out here plates crashing and you hear lots of preparation going on in the back. And then Bok Bok appears and goes, Nash! 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 And you can understand him for once in your life. Bok Bok, are you, are you speaking my tongue? Bok Bok, speak tongue-tongue. Varel, you've made progress with the little guy. Good progress, in fact. Uh, if you come by on Monday nights, we have a whole class. <laughs> Bok Bok, good stool. Dense. Good, Bok Bok. Well done. Bok Bok, speak. Speak, Bok Bok. To who? To me? Are you looking for me? What do you? What do you need? Happy food. Happy fresh. I don't know what he wants, Pharrell. Bok Bok, that's for Strongly here. And remember your sir at the end of it. Happy fresh, sir. Well done. Well done. Oh, by the beard of Jesus Chrome. Are you telling me you got a goblin that speak in common? Not only speaks, he cooks the food. You're going to burn in hell for this. Goblins probably should be just put out of their misery. Oh, I don't know about that. Bok Bok has uh, achieved great things. Why, he's one of the fine liberators of this town as well. And he looks at Barpak and he says, Dwarven mothers scare their children with stories of goblins stealing them in their little crypts 
to cut up and eat. And then Bakpak goes, Bakpak like fresh! Baby. Fresh baby. <laughs> Yummy. When you say that, the little hand on my neck uh, retracts and goes down deeper into my cloak. And for Joe Derry catches at it and he goes, Oh! Oh, he's got a mouthful of food and he points. What in the hell was that? It's a baby arm. What of it? You say that like that's a normal thing. You got a baby arm in the back of your neck there. It's quite useful, it turns out. It happened in a bit of a a scrum without getting into too many details, and now it's there and it's mine, so... The drunk speaks up and says, Yeah, she, uh, she uh, Nash there, he likes to bring his baby arm out for the kids. The baby he makes ar- the papa show. Baby arm, arm comes out and flips off wherever direction that's coming from. I like the puppet show too. Just a little it's bird. Good. I love you, man, Nash. It's a good puppet show. Thanks. Yeah, if you were if you weren't so drunk, you might I don't know, get more out of it. It's for the kids, but I guess come on, go ahead and come. It's fine. It's not against the law to like a puppet show. I'm still I'm a be an adult, but I'm still a kid at heart. You're only as old as you feel. Right, Voril? Correct, Bob. <laughs> back to the drink. Freaking Bob. I'll turn to my side table and whip out my, my hunting knife and start carving up one of the rats. Can I say something to Bob? You can. Bob. Uh, honestly, it's hard enough around here to keep humans in a in a good light. Could you could you maybe try to not muss it up for the both of us? There's not a lot of us here. You trying to tell me I'm cramping your style? I'm just saying my reputation is already hard enough without somebody stumbling around drunk all the time making it worse. I'm not a drunk. Well, Who you're... are you calling a drunk? You're in here every night too, drinking I, beer. I, I guess if you meat. drink, listen, if you drink every day, I guess you never drink. That's that's you right now. Hey, 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 And he gets up off his seat and he comes over towards you and he puts an arm around you. His face is in your face. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, Look at the brain on this one. <laughs> I love this man. He just gives you a hug. Okay. All right, Bob. Just make love, not war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go make love and, and have a little uh, war yourself. You really ought to go home. Clean up a little. All right. All right. He gets back. He goes back over to his chair. Around on me, Varel. Nash put me in a good mood. I, I, around. He digs into his pockets again. And he pulls out a bolt. He puts it on the table. Around for the house. Bob. Bob, you put that away. <laughs> what? You know that those bolts are illegal in this town now. Oh. Queen's orders. The queen ain't ever done anything for me. I just drink. It's not money. It's just oh, I thought that was money. Okay, and he, it's fine. He just knocks the bolt away off the table. He reaches into his pockets and he pulls out another bolt. <laughs> I'll drop my rat 
wipe my hands off on my apron and start walking around the top, around the bar. Grab him by the collar and start dragging him out and going, Rule number three, Bob! Rule number three! Uh, I didn't break the rules, really! Kinship no, among T and Collins, that involves obeying the Queen's rules. You're out for now, Bob. What did I do wrong? I don't even know what I did Guzz wrong. Guzzbox, Bob. Guzzbox. And I chuck him out the door. <laughs> Alright, strength check, because he is resisting me. Alright. A 20, not natural. Okay, you win the grapple, and you've got him, and you drag him to the door, pulling him out, and the tieflings all look at you, and they're all kind of laughing, because this is a usual thing for Bob, Bob being this way. This is not new. <laughs> and you open the door, uh, and you chuck him out. He goes, Boom! He hits the ground. Goodbye, Bob. Ah oh, man! And then, it, boom, the door closes. <laughs> Probably should have done that sooner. Why do you keep letting that lad in here? He was in here last time I was in here. Rule number three, my friend. What's rule kinship. number three again? Kinship. Kinship among the Tiat Collins. Besides, uh, Bob's, Bob's harmless most of the time. Until he isn't. And so, Stanley, as you're walking, approaching the bar... For the evening, you see Pharrell throw out Bob, and this is something you've seen before too. <laughs> and you're now outside of the bar, seeing Bob on the ground. I just give him a little nod, Bob. Sorry? I just give him a little nod, Bob. Okay. And then walk to the door. A nod, Bob. Oh, oh hey. Hey, Stanley. Stanley, get me back in there. I apologize. Tell Pharrell I apologize. I will let him know you can try again tomorrow, Bob, as always. <laughs> can I, you bring me out a drink? And then you walk in. And I go inside and shut the door. Yeah. And you're now in the bar with everyone else. Bob is on the outside. You see Nash at the bar, and you see Varel serving. You see a dwarf with goggles perched on his head, much like you do. With a vest on and super hairy arms. Stanley right. with his wacky clothes. What's going on, Stanley? Well, at least my style has changed over these past three months, Nash. Have you cleaned it, or are you still just wearing it as it was? Well, I got new wraps. As you know, Angelashi helped me with that. But I'm a whole new Nash in a very old way, and it feels great. Here, smell. And I put my armpit right in his face. Ugh. Ah, oh, put that away! Ugh. I have prepared these strips of rat, and I raise my fists, engage my storm soul, which allows me to light things on fire with my fists, and I just start tenderizing them while lighting them on fire. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, I don't like rat, but that sounds amazing. Now, the strips get a little crispy by my flames, my frame-boiled fists. I give him a little toss, dip him in a, in a spice or two, throw him back on the plate, and pass him to Nash. Thank you. This looks fantastic, as usual. I'll uh, go up and join them at the bar. Give a nod to Varel. Stanley! Ah, allow me to introduce you. Uh, this is my weathered adventuring companion, Strongknee. Oh, Strong Pleased me. to meet you. Uh, how do you do? My name is Stanley Billings. Hey, Keith. Hi, pleased to, pleased to make your acquaintance. 
puts out an arm and shakes your hand. Yeah, shake his hand back. Uh, your hand is now oily. He's <laughs> a desert traveler. He's unclean. He's got dirt and dust on him. You now have an oily hand. Well, for now. Prestidigitate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how you're so clean. I was about to say how one in the desert manages to look as clean as you. Well, you know what they say. Cleanliness is next to godliness, my friend. I've met your kind before. Old Captain Joder, he's traveled the desert and seen all kinds of people. Uh, Speaking of saying, Stanley, I have taken to heart what you mentioned about my bar, the lack of a saying, a slogan. Oh, yes. I've come up with some that I would like to try on you. All right, very well. The Golden Sands. Where the folk are simple, and so is the food. Well, uh, the problem you might run into with that, Vorel, is it implies that your clientele are not particularly with it, or of high caliber, and you also undersell your food a bit. But you can't buy in here. Well, sure. Then we might want to rethink the the signage a little bit, then. Oh, okay. Uh, how about where the stew is gritty, and so are the heroes? <laughs> you know what? That's not actually bad. We'll, let's put that one aside for the moment. What else you got? All right, I got one more. I, I, I got this idea from the jukebox that Charlemagne left. I didn't like the original tone, though, so I changed it. Glorious deeds and decent meats. <laughs> it was originally no. dirt, but that I didn't like the dirt deeds. So glorious deeds, you see? I see what you're going for. You know what? I, I think I like that one best so far. Now, I'm not saying you should stop workshopping these ideas, Varel. You... If anything else comes to mind, you can just go with it. For right now, I think that one's your win. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, Nash is having the uh, fish boil- broiled special, but it is rat this night. There hasn't been any uh, fine killings on the adventuring board lately. Can I get you the usual lattlebings? Yes, that would be uh, that would be great and. If we have a moment later, I think there's something we should all discuss, but perhaps later this evening, a little more privacy at the time. Stanley, I have a new trick I'd like to show you. Pull on my hem of the hem of my cloak. Just tug it lightly. All right, Nash. I reach out and I pull on it. (laughs) I got you again, and I turn around and finish my rap. (laughs) <laughs> honestly i don't know what i expected <laughs> the best part was the rat part of the <laughs> my rat. well no it's like it's the our fantasy version of pull my thumb or pull my finger i farted yeah, on him yeah, yeah stanley better it was clever too just yeah. that punchline it was extra special for the no whole it was complicated but i think we got it <laughs> <laughs> I will alert Bok-Bok of the next Laddlebing special, and... Okay! Laddlebing! Coming! 
Bok Bok, stir. You hear this from the back. A moment goes by, you guys remain silent for a second. And Bok Bok opens the door with um, the plate with the food upon it. Who give who? 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 For our friend Stanley Bok Bok. Ah! Stanley! Stan Mustache! He looks at you. That not Stanley! And I'll, I'll bend down to Bok Bok so I'll put a hand on his shoulder. And I've turned back to Stanley. We haven't learned shaving yet. I have to... Pardon me, and I go into Goblin. Hair removal, Bok Bok. Humans, ah! hair temporary. Humans, so stupid! Make Please. hair go? Why? It... Itches for kisses, I hear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he starts spitting in your food. He's like, bleh, bleh. but he's not very mindful. So like, the spit is going into the, your food. <laughs> Who's mine? Stanley. Like he's holding the bowl okay, or good. the plate up in his hands, and Varel begins describing to him why they shave. Although you guys don't know that they're they're having they're going. Ah, ah, and then he just he's like, bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> Nash Magard of the Solar Mines finds this very amusing. I'm gonna be I'm well, laughing at that. Are you telling him to spit on my food? No, I'm explaining to him that the the the, the hair that emerges from your upper lip <laughs> is temporary uh-huh. and removed, as I've heard, for kisses. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can be removed for a lot of re you know what? That's fine. That's fine. We'll go with that. We'll go ahead. If that... I think I'm good on the food, as it turns out, now that I've reflected on it a bit. Maybe just something to drink, please. Mockbox says, Stanley! And I'll... With a question mark on it, he puts the plate in front of you. Let him finish the transaction, if you may. Good practice. Uh, yes. Thank you, Bokbok. That's very nice of you. And Bok Bok um, actually decides to leave from behind the bar and walks around the bar and walks up to behind you, Stanley. He takes your cloak and he puts it in his face and he goes, Yeah. Stanley! Bok Bok. Stanley! Yeah. Bok Bok, stop sniffing customers. Back, back, kitchen. Fine, fine! Bok Bok, fine! Good, good job, Bok Bok. At least, Progress. at least we can understand Bok, the little bastard. Bok Bok, speak what you say. Nash. And he goes into the kitchen. He's come a long way. That, Very good. That he has. Well, I think our uh, fourth will probably be joining us later tonight. And with that uh, said, Hope, you begin making your way uh, hooded hood over your head, looking indiscreet back in your normal clothes, not royal clothes walking down the passage you see Bob the drunk lying face down in front of Varel's uh, as is usual, nothing unusual about that make your way to the door open it up and enter and you see Nash a dwarf, Stanley and Varel intensely d discussing something at the bar 
cool. I'll walk up and order a drink. Alright. I assume I've gotten Hope in trouble in the past announcing her presence, so what do I call you when you're in the bar? Uh, I was... Everyone refers to the queen as a reefy. Very few people know that it's actually Hope, so... Okay. Hope is okay. Cool. And Hope but... joins us at the bar. Uh, my... Uh, Hope, this is my friend Strongney, who's been exploring the waste for us sometime. Hope will nod. Oh, and the dwarf sort of looks over at you and he goes, That's a pretty lass there. He didn't tell me you had friends that were pretty for him. <laughs> my standards are rather lizard, I'm afraid. <laughs> he, he leans over the bar and he looks at you and he says, you wouldn't happen to be with someone, would you? Oh my gosh. My standards are very lizard. We gotta do a t-shirt or something. That's really good. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Hope will just grunt in a way to confirm that yes, she is. Ah, that's too bad. Vorel, do you know any single women? A dwarf's been out on the sands for months. Well, this place is uh, rule number one, honest talk. Announce yourself and your current standing to the room, and surely you will find a mate this eve. Is that how we do it around here? You just tell people. You're welcome to stand on the bar. I don't know. He gets shy and sort of blushes a bit. He's like, I'm not going to yell at the whole bar that uh, I need a lady friend. Well, how will they know you are strong and virile? It's how it's done here. I say go for it. Really? Okay, deception check from the both of you, please. <laughs> well, is it, you're, not, you're not deceiving. No. Stanley, it's gotta be deceiving. <laughs> I'm <laughs> deceiving. Stanley uh, triggered my, my, my call for the check here. And you roll alone. A 30. 30? Jeez. A 30. Oh my god. Is that possible? How? Okay. Well, I have well, a plus eleven to deception, and I rolled a nineteen. Good lord! <laughs> wow. He looks at you and he goes, "This really is a strange place, you tieflings." All right, all right. <clears throat> and he sort of stands on the chair and he gets up and he turns around to the bar. He goes, <clears throat> "Oh, hold on, friend. Hold on. Use this." I hand him the megaphone. Oh. <laughs> No, I got a voice that can carry out. That's going to deafen everyone. Right? I don't think I should do use it. I think it would definitely help. Just make sure everybody knows. Deception check. Uh, that's a 17. <sighs> Very reluctantly. He feels like he's being had, but he's not sure en enough and... So he takes the megaphone and he turns around to everyone. Uh, you hear feedback and he's like, oh, puts it away from us. Uh, excuse me, uh, patrons of the Golden Sands. My name is Joe Derry Strongney and um, uh, I'm, I'd like to spend the evening with a fine woman. If you know of a fine woman who's available, that would be great. Tell them Joe Derry's looking for one. Uh, 
I've got a good cod piece, so you won't be disappointed in the sack. Okay. And then he just sort of sits back down, super embarrassed. And he, he violently hands back the... Um, he, he, he hits you with it in the chest, kind of. Like, not violently, but just... And you sort of grab it back. And he's like... He looks kind of embarrassed. He's like, I think you're having me on that, lad. No, you did great. Vorel, that was great. Yes. That's... The megaphone was artificial, though. And you should not have accepted it. Well, why didn't you say something before I got up there? I figured What's Stanley matter with you? knew something of these matters. Well, I figured maybe his prospective mate is not immediately in the bar. Maybe she's making her way here. The louder the voice, the more ears to hear. It's a fine point. We'll see. I don't think anyone's gonna come and talk to me. Nobody. Everyone's kind of in the bar. Kind of laughed after he had said that. So he's trying to. He's, he's trying to get a sense of you guys. Well, I'll go. Excuse me. How many of you are now uh, incredibly attracted to our new dwarven friend? And they do this. Ah, <laughs> okay. I don't okay. think it worked. Stanley, I don't think your freaking magic worked in this case. There's no magic to it. Look, he's a dwarf that wants to announce his intentions. Anybody that would respond to it would naturally be a fine match for our dwarven friend. Agreed. Really, I'm just saving him the time of figuring it out on his own. You wouldn't happen to know any lady lizard folk. Uh, not in the immediate area, no. Though, I'm getting the feeling that I have no idea how these people match up. There's no dance being held, no uh, fireside declarations of passion. It's the horns. The horns? And how do they help with the mating? <laughs> Hope will just start drinking. That's all she'll drop. <laughs> listen, listen, laddie. I've been to a lot of places and bagged a lot of mithril in my day, if you know what I'm saying. But I've never bagged a, a, a scaled one, I suppose. It'd be neat to see. <laughs> I'd do it just, I'm an adventurer. In the desert and in the sack. You like I said, that, it'll, it'll help him find people <laughs> that are a good fit for him. Perhaps you should tell me of your findings, yes? Ah! <clears throat> Sorry. I, I need another... Uh, I need another beer, please. Can you fill me up? Absolutely. Tosses a gold coin on there. Before I say anything about what you're looking for, there was a reward. And since this is information, once I say it to you, there's no guarantee. So I demand payment up front, please. 1,000 gold as you put on there. As we agreed, and I bend down under the bar and dig through the pieces of paper and find the original sheet from the stump of deeds. And good, good. start stacking the gold on the sheet. He's satisfied that you're doing this. He's like, all right, 
Tell me what you want to do. I've been from here and back to Mogenfrogen and um, the principal city itself. I didn't like it there, but I went there so I could give you some recent information. Um, what do you want to do? And well, keep in mind, Stanley, you do among, and this is for the viewer's benefit more than you because we've talked about this, but you do have a copy of a map that you can refer to uh, as well. And I don't know, do we have copies of this to share with uh, our listeners? I don't we know. Do we? So, but if you need to refer to the map, you can. You have the map, so. That'd be awesome if we had that. Okay. Yeah, while he talks, I'll go ahead and pull that out. Yeah, well, I can do that. Uh, just if you refer to Roll20, I put the map in here, so why don't we just do that? For my own curiosity, and I allow everybody to take a look at it as well. All right, so Stanley opens up his uh, pack, his bag of holding, I believe. You know yeah, Stanley's got a new bag. He reaches into it impossibly deep and produces a map. Yeah. I think he's see like it got made. Um, you produce the map and roll it out onto the table, and he's like, ah, this is a fine map you got here. Very beautiful. Oh, handsome Dan Dakota. Out of the table. His maps are the best. So what do you want to do? And I lean on to the bar and kind of get down into the conversation, inviting my companions in. Well, firstly, did you take the esophageal pass? Aye, I did. There is only one way. Well, there's two, but one way, really. Actually, there's three across the mountains. But uh, if you've got a vehicle, as I do, uh, there's one way. That's the esophageal pass. My land yet can't drive up mountains. Any resistance or ogres? Uh, well, there's a, a tower there, and the Koromu Kishi, they guard it outside. So they ask you who you are, where you come from, and I, they know me. They know me everywhere. I'm Captain Joe Derry Strongly of the Diamond Stroke. Trader extraordinary. And they let me go. You mentioned there were alternative ways there. What uh, what methods are you referring to? Well, if you can find a way to fly over the mountain, that's one. And um, there used to be a dwarven ruin. You see it on your map here. Mog Kirag and Mog Kirindag. Two connecting dwarven settlements. Unfortunately, as legend tells it, it fell victim to a curse, and their people are gone, and the place haunted by demons. So, not exactly a way for anyone to go. Anyone that went wandering into the fated canyon has never come back. What of the journey from the esophageal pass to the principal city? Well, it's a, it's a canyon of sorts. Runs 120 or so miles. It's a very long choke point between the two worlds. That's why you've never seen anyone from the past until the last century or so. Nobody knew it existed. How is Principal City faring? Well, it's a right shithole. But 
It's got nice things in it if you're affluent enough. Mostly, it's full of impoverished people earning a living in its three great spires. Rock formations, like fingers coming out of dirt. They have names for them. Oh, and I'm getting them. The first one they called the Thumb. And there, there's the Green Bank, and it's where they manufacture vehicles. And they have a large array of solar panels. And these wind things, I don't know what they're for. I go, solar panels? What? Where? At the, at the Thumb. At principal, at principal city. There's a second one, larger, called the ring. Like the ring finger, I think. And on top of that one, the Arcanum Universalis is found. As well as the gardens in the endless market. The last one, the tallest of them, is the index. And that's where... That's where the principal's citadel can be found. Now, these are multi-story structures. They have dozen floors apiece and a thing called escalators. Ever heard of that thing? It's these stairs that move on their own like magic. Very cool. I, I asked about the engineering on that one. I would like to have that for my yacht. It's a right pain climbing up that ladder. If I could just ride an escalator, I'd be a happy dwarf. When you pass by Slave Town, the salivating fields, was there any reinforcement to the old wooden structures? The rebuilding is from what I can tell. The old town is back up and running. The oil beards are still there. The bastards. I hate them oil beards. They're born punched in the face. Right. Well, the lady's here, so I can't say what I'm going to say. She's Let's pretty... say it starts with a C. Oh. Pretty tough, but that's a gnarly one, says Nash. Hi. <laughs> Friends? Any questions for our man? If we wanted to get back in touch with you, will you where will you be staying and how long are you here for? Well, I'll be here for at least a week while we sell our goods. My crew is repairing the yacht. They're not allowed to take any kind of break until it's fixed. And, uh, well, if I meet a smart lass, I might be here a bit longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he starts elbowing Nash. Dude, I'm eating my wrap. <laughs> Calm down. I barely know you. And I'm eating my wrap. So knock it off. <laughs> What else do you want to know? After this, where are you headed? Well, I'll continue on my trade route. Probably back 
uh, the principal city. I like to stop everywhere, so I'm not a hundred percent decided on what's next. But uh, one way or another, I'll end up back in Mogan Frogan, picking up stone and steel, mithril. Looking at the map here, where can I find Mogan Frogan? Uh, it is to the east of Principal City. Oh, okay, cool. So he's going beyond Principal City to make that transaction. Yeah. And uh, one of the things you notice there uh, is that there is the Silver Road, which documents a road from Blood Cradle to the Principal City, and as well that there are these line marks denoting a railroad track connecting various settlements together, including that the railroad track runs to the Esophical Pass. Interesting. Well, our transaction is complete. I appreciate your scouting, but we will have further questions. I'll be in town. In fact, uh, Vorel, and he takes a stack of 100 gold and puts it back to you, and he says, My crew and I need a place to stay. You've got an inn here, right? Can we rent out... Uh, I'll need eight rooms for the week. That would be no problem. I still have the air conditioning, if you... Oh, laddie, air conditioning. They don't got that in Mogan Frogan. They don't believe in it. They say it's the devil's work. You'll go to hell for air conditioning. But you know what I say? I say, F that. Air conditioning is mwah, lovely. Well, they've got perfect beef, but no air conditioning. Go figure, and then I keep eating my rat. Then I hope my hotel is hell on earth for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he laughs. <laughs> and he gets up and he says, Can you uh, send your goblin up uh, to bring me a beer? I'm going to go enjoy it right now, I think. Very good. We will be with you shortly. In my room. Uh, the, the the phrase. Oh, the, excuse the, the me. You said, you said we, and I thought that meant all five of you were coming up, and I got scared. My bad. Send the goblin. <laughs> and Sorry, I pass that was him. that was actually a bow thing. It was not a the character. <laughs> I pass him his key. <laughs> we'll be all up in your room. In a second. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna tuck you in, mm -hmm. sing you a lullaby, like you do. All right. So as um as uh the dwarf makes his way upstairs, uh, crawling up, he's going humdi 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 ho humdi 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 ho. Um, he leaves and leaves the four of you to yourselves in the bar. Stanley, I believe you had some order for us to attend to? Well, I think it would probably uh, be Hope's place to mention it more than mine if you want to let them know what happened today. Oh, no, go for it. Well, it turns out that uh, court was a little more interesting than one might have expected. We uh, received a visitor from someone we all are familiar with. A soft head showed up. I see. And what did Softhead want? 
Well, he came with a offer from the principal. They seems they want to meet with uh, the queen and have a heart-to-heart and reestablish some form of trade between the two. And in exchange, they're willing to let go of all the people they took as slaves from Dust Hill as a show of good faith. That's a huge sign of weakness for the principal to make any sort of declaration of peace. Well, assuming it's true at all. Yes. And what did... And I look at hope for this. What did the kingdom say to such a thing? In three days, the principal should be here. Here? Yep. Himself? That's what it sounded like, anyway. He'll, he'll be wanting more than rat. Oh, we'll feed him plenty. How interesting. I figure that if he can make it in three days' time, he has some sort of a quick way to traverse the sands. And we could maybe look into that, I'm not sure. It would be unwise for him to arrive in any capacity. I would assume he would send a servant. Or a... representative. I would think that anyone capable of making a claim of traveling this far, and I gesture to the map, in three days' time, probably is not particularly worried about what might befall them. I think perhaps there's an answer we're not seeing. Hmm. Anything beyond Softhead's arrival? Um, 27, 47 now. You remember him? With the tattoos on his face. Boom. Yes, yes. He's uh, He was executed today. They found him. And others that were trying to start up their gang again, but they should all be dead now. Well. No toes, though, yes? We've been free of the toe rippers? As far as I know. Um, also, there might be another demon thrown into the mix. I got attacked today. Uh, this one likes to put worms in people's ears. Hope, you're burying the lead, says Nash. You're attacked? Yeah. Well, you know, it comes... We've all been attacked. We usually mention something before we've all been sitting here eating rat for two hours. Yeah, not, not usually when we're sitting in the middle of the keep. How did this even happen? I don't know how he got in. It. I was changing and... Then all of a sudden, my handmaiden was dead, and he had this poison knife, and he kept saying Dolopopio again and again and again. And then we finally killed him, and Melagor took an, a worm out of the thing's ear. I guess the tiefling had been missing for a few weeks, so we're gathering his family to ask about it and then taking note of any other people that have gone missing. Dolopopio, does that mean anything to any of us? Do I recognize the name? Uh, Hope and... Uh, Hope would recognize it from her studies. It's a known demon. Okay. And it's some mention of it is loosely in the Monstrositorum Arcanilicus. 
Uh, it's in the handouts also that I gave you it listed. It's very light information. Oh, right. He is known as a Lord of Madness. Um, and the way that he he offers people um, the ability to move with guile, but they have to accept his gift, which is the worm in the ear. Then the worm in the ear whispers to his victims, and eventually they succumb to his will rather than their own. But before that takes place, he's usually his offerings are usually very seductive uh, in order to for people to know the right thing to say at the right time and to know how to proceed artfully through the through conversations in such a manner. Um, what as to what he looks like, I'm just actually referring to my notes because there's a lot of them. So to make sure I get it right. So they call him the worm, the madness. He's the demon of intrigue and guile. Offers power and subterfuge and then reveals the price only when it's too late, but also a lord of madness. He offers his disciples the worm, which pours into the mind and communicates as well. Uh, there's no images as to what he looks like, except that he, there is one form in something you've seen before, Hope, is that he's like a, a giant earthworm, but black. And he has faces and tentacles all over his body. Not, un, not unlike the gibbering mouther you might have faced before. Mm. I'll convey that to everyone. Great. Hopefully he doesn't yabber on like that monstrosity. Piece of shit yeah. mouther. I hated uh, that thing. I wouldn't be excited to see another one of those things. So how could these two events be related then? Soft I mean, according, according to Softhead, he, uh, Principal, has no fondness for demons. Then Hope gets attacked by a servant of a demon. Somebody's either not telling the truth or these two incidents are unrelated and it's somehow a coincidence that they're happening at the same time. And as you guys sort of silently think about what this might mean and how they might be connected, but answers are coming up short. Some customers walk into the bar, uh, Pharrell. So you hear voice, like it starts off as you sort of hear these voices like, outside, like, and then the door opens and about six tieflings sort of stumble in to the bar. They look already kind of toasty and glowy. And they're like, well, we are here in the Golden Sands. Look at this shithole! And they sort of walk in and they start moving around and one of them goes up to one of the tieflings who's eating dinner and takes his plate and go, knocks it off the desk. You are a traitor, brother. This place is owned by a lizard. You should be eating and drinking and supporting a business with your tiefling brothers. Hey! And the rest of it goes, hey! <laughs> and then the lead chief and looks at you and he goes that's right lizard I'm sending a message from Benjo who owns the sharp tail uh, sharp arm and wait what what do they call it the short tail and sharp horn establishment 
that you should close your business down. You have no business serving tieflings. You should only serve goblins and weirdos from the desert. Not tieflings. Aye! And his friends goes, aye! And if anyone doesn't like that, they can fight me. And he takes a, 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 the guy nearest him, there's a tiefling sort of looking up, trying not to be seen. He just kicks the leg of the chair and the leg breaks and the, the tiefling customer falls to the ground and goes, ah! And Hope will tief- go over and help that tiefling up. Okay. Alright, you go up and help that tiefling up, making sure to keep your hood over your head. So you now, gentlemen! And as you do that, that tiefling grabs your arm and says, lass, don't help him up. I'll continue helping him up. I believe there was a formal challenge in your words there. He he restrains you from doing it. He's holding your arm. The tiefling down below gets up of his own and starts walking towards the door, and all the tiefling customers begin exiting, not wanting any trouble today. I'll just look back to Varel. Ah. Friends. Sorry, am I not hearing something? No. Yeah. Are you not hearing us? Yeah, sorry, you have to repeat that for me, please. He just he just said friends. Yeah, okay, friends. friends. I appreciate your observation of rule number one, speaking honestly. But I do believe you did issue a challenge to me, the owner and proprietor of this establishment. And I happily accept. Oh, you're, you're gonna... You're going to regret, regret fighting me, I think. And he takes off his jacket and reveals like a large, muscly chest. All right. Uh, come here and get your lumps, you sad sack of scales. All right. And I untie my my uh, apron off me and put it on the counter and, and just get those elbows back and stretch out that chest so the eyeball really kind of flares open looking at him like, Yes! About tracking time. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy sort of sways a little bit because he's clearly toasty as his friends circle in. And he goes, it's this guy here with the mean looking face. And you've gone to help over there. I'm just moving everyone down in place. While you're moving him around, um, I'm going to get up, put my fork down. I'm going to look at this tiefling who said that and say... "Yeah." There's only one thing I hate more than an average tiefling. And that's a <laughs> that sounds bad. And that's a racist one. And I tip a flow of the table over. <laughs> now they have to deal with Nash Magard of the Solar Mines as well. My knuckles don't All crack right. though. Alright, make knuckles. it a intimidation check, please. Alright. You having us both do it or just me? Just you. Okay. Uh, that looks like a... S- is that right? Wait, I've lost my page. Sorry. Here we go. Uh, that looks like a 17. Okay. And he looks to his friends and he's like... Ah. <laughs> and they all start... The freak is angry. And freaks are funny when they get angry. They go, ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> and the friends sort of look around and like, yeah, you tell him. Now, before this gets going, did the owner actually ask you to come here and do this? What difference does that make? Like? I just need to know. It's a very big difference. He doesn't need to say nothing. We do I... it for him. 
Thank you. And then I'll kind of like bow my head and walk back. Let Nash Brown. No, he won't let you go. He's holding oh, your arm. Okay. Well, I'll try to back up and then realize and just shake my head. Like, you can tell that he's drunken, so he's not holding your arm more so from a. He's just. His actions are slow. Movements are slow. So he's okay. just now holding you. All right. Um, I give I give my fist a little flick and get him up and just a quick little eye around to see are, are there any weapons are we are we good for an honorable fisticuffs here or, or no, they're not they're... Car- they're not carrying weapons they look they they look like average tieflings drunk uh, passionate opinions but none of them they don't have the stance of real warriors or real desert born people but they're tieflings and they're no slouches when it comes to fighting neither they're all right let us partake in this evening's entertainment. <laughs> and he lets go of hope finally he brings his fists up and he's like alright you guys are both sort of staying there with your fists I'm gonna turn you into a pretzel you know what that is boy a salty treat <laughs> <laughs> he goes yes and then he takes a swing at you alright everyone roll for initiative oh my gosh Uh, let's see. 19, 24 for ni- Stanley. 19. That's my best ever initiative roll. <clears throat> 25. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright. 11. Okay, perfect. So, before you go, Hope, this, uh, this leader of this rabble gets his action first as he swings out at you um 16 is that a hit uh no not a hope at it varel he's punching varel at varel that is a miss okay so he swings out and you dodge you pull your head back and dodge out of the way (laughs) hope it's your turn all right well seeing it's just between them i'm just gonna casually back up and watch okay. how you it casually plays. back up and as you do that the guy next to you the other there's a second uh, tiefling staying there with sort of a vest and a nice shirt and he says oh no you don't and he grabs your head as you walk and he tries to punch you in the face pulls your <laughs> hair and tries to punch you in the face uh 21 that'll hit all right you take one point of damage and but the face it connects with your face pow and you sort of see white and get dazed and Poof! And you can continue walking. It's still your turn. Okay, so what... I'll be shaking the daze out of my eyes, but Rage is quickly replacing it, and I'll walk over to the bar, and I'll grab the mug, (laughs) and I'll smash it against the bar, and then I'll start walking back toward the dude that punched me in the face. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. You still have an action and a bonus action. All right. Cool. What would the uh, the broken glass thing count Say as? It, we'd rule it like a dagger, but without finesse. Improvised weapon. Actually, no. Since it's improvised weapon, you don't have a feed for it. It's one plus your strength modifier. One plus strength. Okay. To a minimum of one. Okay. Some people sometimes have minuses on their strength modifier. All right. And then a 1d4, I'm assuming? No, no. One. It's one damage plus your modifier. Oh, just one damage plus <laughs> modifier. Okay. Yep. Alright, well, I'll go for two hits to his okay. face. 
Um, and then what would a strength modifier you said, correct? Uh, so a 17 and then a natural 20. Okay. <laughs> so it's uh, first hit is going to be one. What's your strength modifier? Uh, plus one. So All right. two so damage. You're not proficient in it, so you don't get your proficiency bonus. So you did two damage. And for the second one, you double any dice, but you're not rolling dice. So I'm just going to give you double damage flatline for this. Cool. Uh, so again, it's two points of damage for the second hit, so four. So you just you walk back, and how do you how do you punch this guy? Like, oh, I want to I want to cut him right across the cheek. Maybe give him a wider smile. Okay. All right. Perfect. So you just you tr- go and attempt to cut him with the sharp edges of it, and you scratch up his face. It it is a mug, so it's not like efficient like a knife is for giving somebody the Joker smile. So you do your best that you can, and you put these large scratch marks on his face as you pow pow and hit him. Stanley, your turn. So Stanley is still sitting at the bar, sipping at his drink, and he uh, looks over his shoulder, eyeballing the guy that has been talking uh, in front of Varel, and just very casually looks at him and says, All right, so a couple of tiefling idiots decide to pick fights with the saviors of the town who single-handedly beat an army. This is going to go well, and uh, unleash that as a vicious mockery. Oh, damn. Okay. I mean, not fatal this damage intended. Is, this, is, this is a bar fight amongst Tiet Killeen. Are you sure you want to go and start doing... Re- pulling out the real weapons by default? Um. Keep in mind that these actions will be remembered if people live to tell the tale. I mean, the thing is, is like it's just vicious mockery. It's Can psychic I damage. Do it? It's magic. Yeah, Stanley does. You it. can do it. I'm just letting you know that yeah. it's there's yeah. a level of dirtiness to this that Varel made a point of saying this is good, clean fun, and magic is not clean fun. Magic is cheating. It is to me, so I'm <laughs> doing it. Okay, I'm not saying no to you. I'm just letting you know what the ramifications are of this. Especially Wisdom 16 good. save. Oh, you rolled, but just keep in mind Varel has rules. He's gonna be pissed at you. All right, so Varel, um, I mean, 16 save. All right, the dice isn't rolling yet, so you can take it back. You don't take it back. Okay. No, Roll no. Dice. Right. <laughs> uh, 17. Okay. So that's Nothing a save? Ha- yeah. Nothing happens then. Yeah, right. you have to be... You yell at your insult, and the, the tiefling that you were going to yell it to just looks at you and is like, Pleh. spits a on the ground. All right. Stanley goes back to drinking. Okay, now you're doing All right. Um... I'm standing here because I threw that table and I'm now looking at, I guess, this person. Whoops, hold on. That person? Yep. Um, I'm going to move up to here. Yeah. And I'm going to... Uh, let me see that's still in my... I can't remember what I put in my thing. Okay, I know what I'm going to do. Yep. I'm going to reach into the pouch that contains my six cups of poop. Bat mm-hmm. poop. Oh my god. He's <laughs> still old. there? Yeah, oh yeah. All these months later, he not wet. only still has it, but he keeps it with him. Yeah, it's still there. I totally do. Tupperware. Tupperware has existed in this world. It's a, it's a nice sealed bag. It's not anything that's gross or anything, but I, I finally have a chance to use this stuff, so I'm pretty stoked. I reach into that bag and I just smear it in their face. Uh, 
And I don't know if that if, if that counts as an action. I don't know if it will or not. That's but if not, action. I want to headbutt him. What? That's an action. Okay. But I mean, the full action you can describe it. You put one hand behind their head and put the other, you know, scoop it out. And yeah, that's basically like, it. And then yeah, all right, just Roll, gonna uh, smear it in their face as hard as I can. So this sort of feat, I'll let you pick sleight of hand or acrobatics for the feat. Uh, let's do. No, you're not attacking with it. You're right. Actually, either one's not going to really be, it's be about the same, so let's see. It's not super hard of an action to do, I will say that. 14. You do it. Nice. You scoop a big pile of bat guano that's at least three months fresh in your pocket, and just to put one hand behind the tiefling's head, and just... <laughs> you, uh, what's, his, what's that guy's name from Back to the Future? You biffed... I, you biffed I totally him. biffed him, yeah. Gave him the <laughs> totally biff tannin. Yeah. <laughs> He ends up in the shit in every movie. All right. um, so you biff him, and uh, he's got he's got shit all over his face, and he goes, oh, 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 and you just see his face is covered in poo, except eye, his eye, tiefling eyes are, like, blinking. Can't believe what's just happened to him. And I go, you're a real shithead. Uh, and that's my turn. Okay, and now that <laughs> it's your turn, Varel. All right, I will uh, advance towards my main opponent and give them a reckless fist swing. For a twenty-five. Okay, it's a hit. Cool. I will you get, jab you them for six points of damage. Okay, so you're not doing punches; you're doing natural weapon claws. Oh, that's a good point. I guess these would be uh, these would be gentleman fists at the moment. So, I mean, these fleshlings cut real easy. Yeah. So let's do uh, unarmed strike. So that's just a flat five damage. That's, all right, flat five. And so you—that's a lot of damage for an unarmed strike. Well, you, you got the. I mean, I have a plus eight strength, so yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of strength so you, goes in. You, you just wind up and you just punch him. <sighs> Gonna connect Mortal Kombat style. He's like, <laughs> he can't breathe, and you get another attack, and you get advantage on this next attack as he's just eyes wide, stunned. <laughs> a twenty-two. All right, that's another five points of damage, and then you just pull the fist back up and rewind. Give him, give him the smack. How? What's the hit style? Oh, I mean, the first one's just like you know, you got your fist up, and then just a pop in the face. And since that yeah. one works so well, the second one is a, a a full wind up, connect the face, push through. Okay, and so then just as time slows, as the fist comes down, big lizard fingers the size of his head just. Crack and you hear crack and his face goes and his head spins around and his whole body twirls around and he flies into the door and then slides down and slumps down here and go and then the guy next to him looks at his friend and he goes and looks at you hope and dives you just runs up, jumps onto the table, and just dives you both hands forward. Okay. And they can't tell uh, she's the queen, right? They don't know. No. Can I? Can I roll a, a dexterity to it's dodge the contest? Out of the so yes, he's trying to grapple you, and I'll need a strength or dexterity as defense to the grapple. Okay. Um. Let's see. So I'll do dexterity here, and that'll be a sixteen. Okay. And so he steps on that table that's between you. There's a table between you two, and this guy just runs. Boom, boom, runs past his friend, steps on the table and he looks like he's going to jump on the table to jump on you because I rolled a one. 
the table underneath him breaks, and he just collapses to the ground. Shaboom! And he flips over, and he and he goes ah, and he just falls to the ground and slips completely before reaching it. Uh, so he's there. This guy ran up here. This guy's unconscious there. Uh, and the next one, uh, Stanley, looks towards you and runs uh, your way. This guy's prone. Um, someone steps up to you and he attempts what he's going to try and do because you went back to sit and drink and ignore him, which is insulting. He's going to yeah. try and take the back of your head and just smash it into the into the bar. Okay. So grapple grapple check, please. All right. And this is a remind me. This is just a dexterity. 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 Uh, no, it's a con. It's a dexterity. Well, just to keep it simple. Dexterity half. or strength. Yeah. Okay. Um. So with a dexterity, it would be a nineteen. Okay. Perfect. So he goes to grab your hand, and you sort of duck gracefully under his hand. He goes Whoo, and just whips across, and then slips onto the bar, but doesn't fall. Uh, Nash, the one next to you that you put poo on, <laughs> his eyes facing. You're, you're going to pay for that. And he takes and wipes it, and he puts it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and he manages to do it. He goes, and he puts it on your face, and then he takes a swing where the shit is. And he 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 goes to hit you, and you manage to duck out of the way after having poo on your face. So now you got poo on your face, not as much, and the other guy does. Um. Now behind nothing uh, I'm not used everyone? to, by the way. Totally used to having yeah. poo in my face. Now, the no t- the, this tiefling next to the guy you punched out, Varel, looks down and she looks at you and she goes, "Ah!" And she rushes up to you and goes to punch you. She brings her fists up, looking toasty and drunk. And she's like, Aah! and she swings wildly at you. Eighteen uh, hit, one point of damage, and the, it connects with her scales. And she looks back and she goes, "Ah!" Ah, ah, and she grabs her wrist and her arm. Uh, Hope, it's back to you. All right. Now, in, uh, directly in front of you, there's one prone who fell from the table, and there's a guy with the eye patch on the left. <laughs> uh, so the guy with the eye patch is the one with the face scars now. Yeah, um, that's right. Dude, he's got face scars. The dude that's prone, he's looking like he's going to get back up, right? For sure. He's not dead. I mean, none of them are dead. We're not killing them. But the guy Vorel punched out, he's done. <laughs> he's, he's done for okay. the <laughs> so is So he's face first on the ground, correct? Yeah. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll put my mechanical leg on his back and push down as I go to hit the dude with the eye patch again. Cool. All right, so roll with advantage to pin the guy in front of you. Oh, nice. Uh, a natural 19, I guess we can say. Okay, perfect. You win. So you step uh, on top. Let me just make sure the tokens are in the right order. You step on top of him, pinning him down, and then you can do your attack roll, your one remaining attack roll to punch the scarred face guy. Okay, cool. With That'll be a cup. nine. Okay, it's a miss. As this time he ducks, he hits your hand and knocks it away. Ugh. And that'll Anything be else? my turn. Hopefully, right. the weight the weight of my mechanical body keeps the one from <laughs> down. Stanley, Stanley, it's your turn. Yeah, he's he's really going <gasps> on the ground as you step on his back. Stanley, your go. All right. So the guy next to me is kind of it's, just. It's actually it's actually a woman. Oh, the, the woman uh, that looks very manly. Yeah. Is, you thought it was a guy, but it's actually a woman. 
That's all right. People mistake Stanley for that all the time. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, she's kind of just sprawled over the top of the bar, right? Yeah, she missed, and now she's leaning over the bar. Okay. Uh, Stanley is going to... Jeez, uh, I don't have anything that's not, like, insanely overkill for this situation. Um, You've got fists. That's all you need in a fist fight. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm going to try and do what she did to me and just take the back of her head and just bamf into the back of the counter there. Okay, grapple check. That's 15. That's about as good as Stanley can do. You win the contest, you grab the back of her head, you now have it in your hand, and you can make an attack roll if you wish to smash it into the bar. Sure. Let's do that. Uh, that is 16 to hit. All right, you do your... One damage. You, do, you, do, you smash her head, you just take her head, and you just go, bam, and smash it into the, the bar, and she looks, oh, she's got rat meat now on her face. <laughs> and you smash her, and you can know she's seeing uh, spinning lights right now. Yep, I go back to drinking. And you go back to drinking. Now it's your turn. All right. You've got back, you've got back guano on your face. Um, and in your hand, notably. Yeah. It's, good, it's like Nutella all over your fingers. I go, uh, I have had worse. And then I, I want to do like a rear back with my elbow. I want to come forward with my elbow and just clobber him in the side of the head. Okay, it's basically a punch, roll. but I want to get fancy about it. Yeah, I get a tackle. roll. Um, that will be a... 17. It's a hit. Nice. That's one damage plus your strength. So what's your strength? Oh, sorry. Uh, my strength is... Uh, zero. Modifier. Uh, the modifier is zero. It's a big so you do, zero. You do one point of damage and your elbow just goes into his face, splashing guano everywhere. And it... And you sort of you hit his nose and he puts his hands up to his nose and then he picks his hands back realizing he's got shit on his hands again. He's like, ah! <laughs> And it's like there's a big clump right in one of his nostrils, and he's like, ah, he's trying to brush it away. Uh, okay, um, now for this lead guy, he's down, so for else, your turn. All right, uh, so the lady just punched me. I'm going to turn to her and oh, <laughs> what a blast, and just fall <laughs> off a reckless attack in that direction with a 27. That's it. <laughs> Five points of damage. <laughs> All right, you punch her. Uh, where do you punch her? Uh, just, you know, she hit me in the face. I'm going to hit her in the face. Okay, so you punch her in the face, and just as soon as you punch and your fist moves away, a large swelling, just your face swells up immediately. It is so hard. Just bleh, She goes, Ugh! and you are you have another attack. All right, I'll, I'll, this is just going to be a, a winding gut punch. Yeah. For 26. All right, you do another five points of damage as you bring it back and just... Boom! Uppercut right in the solar plexus, and she goes. <gasps> and you hit some boob too while you do it, and you know it's extra painful. And then she, <laughs> so painful, she ju- she flies up into the air like two feet, <laughs> and then just drops face first to the ground. Boom! And a big cloud of dust shoots out from under her from the floorboards. You keep the place clean enough, but still, you notice you're like, oh, the floor is kind of dirty. We need to get Bachbach to clean that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, uh, the one next to you, Hope, uh, as you take, she's, she's out for the count, too. You've taken out two now, Varel. 
but the one next to you, Hope, uh, who's now dodged an attack and is starting to feel that he's got the upper hand on you, uh, goes to grapple you again to try and save a friend. Push you off and then probably like pin you down on top of you. Okay. What's your roll? Strength or dexterity? Doing dexterity and it'll be a 19. Okay. Well, um, I've got a 20. Oh, man. And it's natural. So he grabs you. He jumps across, pushes you to the ground. You end up flying five feet. He flies five feet with you. He ends up pinning you down and he's got his shoulders on top of you and your hood falls back and he stops and he gets up immediately. And he taps the fr- he taps his friend. We need to go now. We've made the mistake. And then he grabs his friend and drags him out and just running with his friend. And this one, they all see what's happening. Everyone shuts up and he's like, and this one right next to you, Hope, bows on her knees and goes, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the rest of them book out of there as quickly as possible. Varel, no. get an opportunity attack. No. I won't take it. No. Varel, I, I, Varel I, I, gets I an to... opportunity attack. I try to walk forward and hold open the door from like, you fought honorably and I'm yelling down the street. It was fun. Come back. <laughs> we were. So and that they... is why they get inebriated first. That was a, that was a good time. <laughs> sorry, Varel. What, and and what, the woman next to you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me, please. Just go to the hospital, get your friends checked out. Stop, thank you, thank stop you. Stop being dumb. <laughs> thank you for it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm ashamed, and she runs out. Learn runs from out. this. <laughs> and the bar becomes quiet. I thought we were having a good time. We We were, it was the hood, it came off, it's my fault. Oh! Yes. Because the queenship. Yes. Yes. They don't punch queens. Mm, they try not to. How will they know their faces are structurally sound? I don't know. They trust it, I guess? We should, we should host a fight night. Hey, a, 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 a circle where people may execute their desires for fists once a week. Bok Bok. Yeah. Bok Bok no want... fight. If would Bok Bok fight, fresh die. Fair point. And Bok Bok rules. Make live rules. Bok Bok live rules. Very good, Bok Bok. Bro, you have to promise if you do that, you have to have a doctor on site, okay? No deaths. No, no fight to the deaths, all right? Uh, Clearly, this requires more thought. And as you guys are discussing it, you hear voices outside. It's really loud outside. You're like, uh, 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 uh. You hear lots of voices, and then a big flash. And the whole place, like lightning flash, and just flashes white. Just flashing outside. And as you look out the windows, you see tieflings on the street pointing up. Your mom. Yeah, you put the hood back up and everyone makes their way outside and you see tieflings, every tiefling in the city, out on the streets and all of them staring up into the sky and as you turn around and look up in the sky 
You see that it's become night since the time that you entered and since the time of the fight. And a large comet burns bright in the sky, never seen before, glowing all... It's like there's natural light all beneath you, and it flashes. And the comet just goes... And you hear the sound of rock melting and burning as it's... And it soars across the sky, and everyone's pointing up, going like, Look! Look at this! It is an omen! It is a sign! The gods speak to us! And you hear people yelling and panicking as the comet... Then it heads westward. And then it disappears from view. And then there's a loud... Not loud, but a flash of white. And then it disappears, coming from the west. And then... A large white mushroom cloud explodes from the sky in the distance. But you sound you hear nothing, you just hear you just see the mushroom. And then several seconds go by as you just witness this visual this extraordinary phenomena that's very visual of the comet flying and then exploding. And then the sound catches up to it and you hear everyone make a constitution save, please. Oh please. Oh shit, one. Uh, 18. 8! Uh, Nash, Hope, and Varel, you're deafened. Okay. And you hear... Oh, no. <laughs> you hear oh, from the... the worst. <sighs> you guys can all look at each other. You can move your mouths, but you can't say anything. Okay. And you hear the sound, and then... Yeah. Then there's nothing. Oh, they're waving in people's faces, pointing. Yeah, and you see that people have many of the tieflings in the street have ducked down and held their ears. And then Bob gets up off the ground and he goes, What the hell's that was sound that woke me up? <laughs> Stanley, Stanley, what's going on? Why why is everyone in the streets? I don't know what that was, Bob. What? I didn't hear you. Bob, I look around to see if anybody can hear me. Can anyone hear me right now? I hear you. Oh no, I can't hear you, can I? <laughs> You're Never mind. Slowly, everyone's hearing comes back, and it goes, "Oh shit, Varel! Did you see the lights? And hear the sound? I heard the sound. Mostly, I just heard the sound. I what did, did you Bob? see? It's a great comet." A comet. Jesus Chrome, Bob, if you'd just pay frickin' attention and quit getting so drunk, you would have seen it too. I have to tell you something. The day I was born, there was a comet. They said it blessed the day I was born. Humble look at Nash and Stanley. <laughs> Very <laughs> worried. Freaking Bob. And as, he, and as he says that, a large cloud moves into the town. Then you start to hear pebbles and rocks sort of hit roof, and it's raining stones. Whoa. Um, I need everyone to make a dexterity save, please. Fifteen. Oh, much better. Seventeen. Fourteen. Seventeen. Okay, so the rocks begin hailing on you, but you don't get any in any uncomfortable places, essentially, as a large cloud begins to fill the night sky, hiding the stars. 
and it begins raining rocks over top of Tietkala. And tieflings all around you are panicking. We must come to safety! Get to the keep! It is... We are under attack from the sky! And they run towards the keep and panic everywhere. They're screaming and you're standing out in the streets thinking about what you just saw. And we leave it there for this week. Oh, well done. This is my favorite episode of the new season. (laughs) No, I like it. Back to your rat. I actually like it that much. I actually like it that much to say that it's going to be hard to top it. That was really good. I enjoyed the hell out of that. Uh, Well done, everybody. And thank you, chat room, for hanging around with us and spending time with us on our our, uh, day to crack open a whole new version or a whole new um, part of this campaign. It's very, very exciting. We can't wait to bring you the the rest of this uh, business. Uh, A reminder, we launched it today. The There Will Be Dungeons Patrons of Dungeons system, which basically is just your way of helping us out and uh, kicking in a little bit for the content you love. So head on over to therewillbedungeons.com. As soon as this episode ends, I'll have a link there. You can also find it on the store link up there, but it's going to be real obvious. You'll click it, and boom, there it is. It'll tell you all the different tiers, what you get for each tier. Super simple. Hop in there. Make it happen. And uh, we got rad stuff to send you when you do. Uh, a bunch of you have already signed up. Thank you for that. And for those who haven't yet and those listening on the podcast, now's your chance. Again, that's therewillbedungeons.com. Uh, I think that's everything. Is that it, Bo? I guess that's it. Uh, that's that's this week's story. That's this week's that's story, it. everybody. You'll have to tune in next week for the continuation. And we're sticking with it. Uh, so come back next week. We'll have more. Uh, then we have a week where we're not here. We'll talk more about that next week, but, um, me and a bunch of few of you actually that are in the chat room today are all going to be in Las Vegas having a, a little bit of a party time. Um, but then we'll be back. So full show next week though. Um, not going anywhere for that. And then, uh, we'll, we'll fill you in on what's going on in between, but, uh, I guess that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening, for being here again. There will be dungeons.com is the place you're going to want to go and, uh, you'll find everything you need. For the show, if you're looking for archives, video archives, audio, whatever, it's all there. You can send us uh, messages there as well. You can also send us a voicemail if you want, 801-471-0462. We'll play it on the show. And uh, next week, we'll be back to that, reading your emails, playing your calls, and getting Kristen's rad remixes, not remixes, recaps of the previous episode. (laughs) Now she's a DJ. She's remixing them. It's fantastic. Uh, It's not remix. It's remix. Uh, so, from uh, me, the still cranky Nash, from the uh, successful restaurant owner, Varel, from the queen herself, uh, Hope, and from Stanley in his, da- his dandy clothes. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Have a great week. We'll see you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.